If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Love Talk Radio. They said there'll be snow at Christmas. They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light Hello there and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete New York Sports Talk Podcast Episode 3.47 Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. Time for Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. Maybe the final episode of the year. We don't know. It might be. It's Saturday night. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. It's time to talk some sports. They said there'd be peace on Christmas. They said there'd be, they said there'd be crisps on Christmas. <laughs> Ready to unload with Callis and Pete coming up right now. And I believed in Father Christmas. I looked to the sky with excited eyes. Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn. And I saw him and flew into the sky. All right. <laughs> you like the subtle, <laughs> the subtle cutoff there. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and St. Pete. I'm one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're doing this on a Saturday night because we missed on Tuesday. Uh, I was in Texas uh, for the holidays. Now I'm back. Then people were sick, children, wives, et al. Um, so here we are. It's a Saturday night. It's crazy. It's going to get crazy. It's after dark. Pants are down. Pants are optional, obviously. And uh, we got a lot of sports to talk about. we got a great fun load to talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about Christmas. Christmas is in like two, three days, a couple days, nice. Uh, So we'll talk about that. And, uh, of course, we'll be joined by the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, Cassiopo, Cassiochopo. We're going to get the official pronunciation of his name one of these days. It's only been like two years. And uh, let's bring in the co-host, the the yin to my yang. The uh, I (laughs) I watched The Grinch today, Cal, so you could be the snoovislubin. To my uh, <laughs> yeah, and ran sackles and run sackles and thumbs. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino. Caliente, hi Brian. Hi Steve. Welcome to the uh, show. Feels weird. Um, a little. <laughs> Just a little. Apparently, the faders are not working. 
So no, every, no, what's going on? Every musical key will be cut off so abruptly. It's really, it's really a little harsh. The, here's the thing I love about that song by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, which also sounds like a steakhouse or a law firm. I thought that was ELO. <laughs> no, yeah, that's Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, was that's, that B- that BTO? That's, that's Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> I get it confused all the time. ELO is Jeff Lynne. Emerson, right. Lake and, Emerson Lake and Palmer is Emerson Lake and Palmer. And Palmer, of course, the law firm of. of. <laughs> I love what I love about that Christmas. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs uh, because it's so very British. It's just, it's so very, you know, they said there'd be peace on Christmas and you all lied. <laughs> It's such a guilt trip they lay like, on you. Like, right, he managed to he managed to get the Israelites in there too. Right, I love. <laughs> he said unto the Israelites, "What? It sounds they like should... a speech from the House of Commons <laughs> when they're they yelling should... at each other." They should have powdered wigs on while they're singing it. Like they should, they should like uh, like they're presenting in front of the Lord of Commons. They said there'd be peace on earth and crisps and tellies. Uh, I love that uh, Christmas song. It's one of my favorites. It's a great song. We you can, don't hear it that much either. You don't. We could talk uh, Christmas songs later. I have a great fun load uh, planned for us after we talk the sports and stuff. But how are you? Good. We're I'm, team minus three days here till uh, I'm Kringle. Three, my goodness. You, you really two? Really? Because forty-eight hours from now, right? That's when. Uh, that's when everything starts happening. That's when it all goes down. We. Uh, square in the red zone for for the fat man. <laughs> Which, if he was Mark Sanchez, he'd clearly turn Christmas over. Oh, hey, look what I did. Look what I did. Easy. It's better to give than to receive, unless, oh. unless you're one of Mark Sanchez's receivers. Um, now, are you a Christmas night, Christmas morning? When are the kids going to uh, tear into it? What are, what are we doing? Uh, yes. All of the above. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we we instituted a tradition about three years ago. Right. It had to pass the uh, – speaking of the House of Commons again. The Christmas board, yeah. We had to go before the board. Mm-hmm. We had to prepare a presentation, lots of slides and PowerPoint. Right. Um, Allison sung. <laughs> Which I did not see coming. Well, you listen – this was a big deal. Right. We want. We really wanted this to pass. So Christmas Day, obviously. Christmas morning. <laughs> you hope that Santa Claus has arrived. Sure. And if if he has come to the house, as we all hoped, there will be toys and presents for the kids. For all the girls and boys. On Christmas Day. On Christmas morning. Christmas Day in the morning. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm working backwards. <laughs> to get to the point here. Christmas Eve... Sure. Is always a big celebration in the Italian tradition. Oh, the fishes? Do you do the fishes? We do the fishes. I don't know if we're doing the fishes this year, but we... Modified fishes. Modified. Yeah, we typically do the fishes, but um, we do presents from the family on Christmas Eve. Right. Late. Yeah, exactly. Like like 10, 11. Well, that's changing because nobody wants to stay up that late anymore. So it's it's trending back towards like eight. Okay. Late. So that's Christmas Eve. But what we do here, our 
little at, family unit. At the Calvi Ranch. There's four of us. We instituted what we call mini Christmas. <laughs> Go on. I'm uh, fascinated by your idea of mini Christmas, and I'd love a brochure. Well, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Mini Christmas takes place on December 23rd. So tomorrow is mini Christmas. Tomorrow is mini Christmas. Have you finished your mini Christmas shopping? I have. I have. Um, it's, it's the, they usually don't have sales for that. No. You know? <laughs> Macy's mini Christmas one day. It's like a 10-minute sale, not a one-day sale. <laughs> yeah. Between 5 and 6. <laughs> Between yeah. 5 and 5.45 p.m. Everything is $1 off. What this was born out of years ago was we used to have Christmas at our home. We That used to be our That was our holiday, right. Right. We used to have everybody come over from my family on Christmas Day. And what that entails, you know, as as working parents with kids that are in school, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to prepare for the Christmas. Sure. A lot of scotch. Right. Yes. Lots. <laughs> um, so we decided that in order to placate the kids... Sure. Who, which, which is what it's all about, let's be honest. We're, we're kind of in the way, let's be honest, as we're trying to get everything ready. And the hounding and the excitement and the this and the when is this? When, blah, 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 blah. What we decided... Your, was, kids, your, kids, your kids sound like Joe Pesci. They were. <laughs> what are we doing over here, Dad? Bop, 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 beep, beep, beep. They turned doing? into little Joe Pesci every <laughs> right. December 23rd. It was crazy. So what we did was we decided to make the 23rd a night where just the four of us get together and we exchange, like, one gift. Okay. Mostly for the kids. The parents don't get anything. But for the I, kids, they get one I gift. Would, I would suggest a new name for you me at Christmas. You got one? Yes. Let's hear it. Play Christmas. Play Christmas. Because it's you're placating them for Christmas. Play, or how about placate miss? Placate miss, even better. See, you took what I said and you went a step further. I ran with it, but then we got to go before the board again, and I am fully prepared to present placate play, play miss. You better uh, tune up those pipes, then, pal, because <laughs> they're going to want to hear you sing for this. I, I imagine, boy, they're really swayed by the singing, huh? Love the, this time of year, they love that singing. board. Loves it. All right, so I like many uh, placate Christmas. That's what we do. Play we do Kate that on. Yes, we do that on the 23rd. So to answer your question, when do we open presents? Pretty much for a week. Right. Stuff <laughs> turns into like Hanukkah. Right. It turns into Hanukkah. I guess. Uh, let's bring in the bishop and talk to him about his Christmas because he uh, he celebrates the heck out of it. I mean, he's uh, he's jolly. He's a little round. But I think we learned... It's a big time of year for him. But I think we learned that sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. Right. Sometimes he's in the spirit. Sometimes he's not. And I think this would be a good time to check in with him to check find out what what this year holds. Right. Oh, see, I I trumped his cart right there. He was going to do the RTU breaking news thing. <laughs> the production quality it. on a Saturday night is subpar. <laughs> That's right. This is not a union night. We do not have a union guy working the board here. Let's put it let's put it this way. Chuck Scarborough doesn't work on Saturday nights. <laughs> right. Eddie Scazzeri is not behind the glass tonight. You get uh, you get what you get. That's right. You get, you get the backup anchor on a on Saturday a, night. On a holiday weekend. On a holiday Saturday weekend. Night. You get uh, Conchita uh, <laughs> Rodriguez-Jones. 
she's uh, she's getting she's getting her break. Do you think that Conchita uh, Rodriguez Jones says it like Conchita Rodriguez Jones? Only her name. Right. <laughs> Conchita Rodriguez Jones. That always I always wondered about that. Like, because that, that used to drive me crazy. They used to drive me absolutely crazy when, like, you had a, an anchor that would say just their name with the whatever ethnic, right? Uh, their their ethnicity, and then Teresa uh, pointed out to me wisely one day. Uh, hey, on the Bast guy. <laughs> uh, hey, the guy who says Gumasigam uh, or whatever when he can't think of the word he's looking for. Um, you got a lot of balls. <laughs> I'm, I'm guy. Right. <laughs> taking taking these people to task for uh you know, ethnically correctly correctly ethnically pronouncing their names. You got a lot of uh cuyones. Okay. <laughs> you got a big you got a big set of cuyones, all right? So she was right. So I don't do that anymore. Well that's good. Yeah, She's it was, right. It was good to have it called out well, and pointed out to me. But uh yeah. Conchilla Rodriguez Jones. Because Jones has to be Americanized. It does. Well, that's, so I, that's how we do it. That's how the, this is how we do it. I'm I'm always glad when that song comes on sometimes because I forget. The car flipped over the sidewalk, but no one was hurt. Live from the Bronx, I'm Maria Conchito Alonso Jones. <laughs> Fox 5 News. And they didn't know who was inside. For Fox 5 News, Maria Conchita Rodriguez Jones. Back to you. <laughs> uh, let's uh, now that we've been completely racially and ethnically insensitive. Uh, let's call in. Uh, I think actually we were being sensitive. We, well, I think that story is about how I was in. I mean, and then here we go. <laughs> and here we go. And there's that. Uh, I think that story uh, was about how I wasn't sensitive, and now I am. We were going to bring the bishop in about three minutes ago. The door is open. The door is Let wide. Let all the cold air in. Let's get him in here and shut, you know. Shut the door. Warm this place up. Hey, Beach. <laughs> he was forcing that agenda one way or the other. RTU News. Is he in the Christmas spirit? We'll find out after this. And is your cat going to kill you? Conchita Rodriguez-Jones has more after this. Hi, Pete. I'm in the Yucatan Peninsula, standing on the Mayan ruins, surrounded by thousands of disappointed apocalypse freaks. (laughs) No refunds on the t-shirts, folks. (laughs) Why did he sound so far away? I don't know, because he's in the Mayan ruins. Oh, literally? Yeah. Well, there's you a see? delay. Right. <laughs> it's a satellite delay. It's not a delay. You just sound your volume was low. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was as if you kept your volume down to simulate being in Mayan ruins, in the Mayan ruins. No, it's because the mic was in my shirt. <laughs> and it was lost? <laughs> How many things have gotten lost? <laughs> right. Here's a hubcap for a 1987 Riviera. Watch this. Uh, hey, Pete, what's I going on, man? I had some tea on Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's extraordinary. I some bangers and mash. <laughs> There'll be crumpets on Christmas this morning. <laughs> we watched a little telly and grew some herbs. 
I had lunch with Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> it's remarkably British. Remarkably. I never thought of it that way, but that really is. It really is. Hey, EL, ELP, were they... Uh, <laughs> do, we, do we know their first names? Keith Emerson. Keith Emerson. Was he the keyboard guy? Yeah. Okay. Right. Jimmy Palmer. Greg, and uh, Greg Lake. Greg Lake. Greg Lake. Robert Palmer. Greg and Lake Rob- was the, the, the handsome frontman guitar player. Singer. Right. A lot and, like you. Uh, he was like a young Cachopo. Right. And Carl Palmer. And remember that they briefly replaced by Cozy Powell, so they kept the ELP. So that went from being <laughs> yeah. Emerson Lake and Palmer to Emerson Lake and Powell. Who, Can- Colin Powell? <laughs> Colin Powell. Colin Powell. He was in that Cozy. band? Cozy. It's funny you say you brought that up because I almost said Emerson Lake and Powell about four times, and then I kept going, "Oh no, I got it right!" Like in my my little inner monologue was like, "No, it's Emerson Lake and Palmer," but it was at one yeah. point Emerson Lake and pa- Powell. Emerson Lake and Powell back when they did that touch and go song. I'll uh, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna tie this into sports. You ready? I'm gonna tie ELP into sports, and it's I'm gonna do so and blow Cal's mind in the process. You ready? Peach, what's a great? Give me another famous ELP song. Um, fact, I'm going to tie it to two sports that we care a ton about. Two teams. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Both times. Uh, I think I know one. All right, give me one. One that goes, "Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends." Carnival Nine, right? Now, where am I going there, Cal? Well, that's from the 1986 Mets uh, season video. That's correct. I don't remember the name of the video, but it's uh, a season, a year to remember. Year to remember. 1986 Mets highlight video, a year to remember. They have a uh, a fun montage that is set to Carnival Nine. Again, thought it was ELO. <laughs> right. It really did. Yeah. No. No. Not good. Three initial bands, Khaled. <laughs> no. Yes. I have a problem with yes. But that's not. That's just. That's the, just a word. Well, that's three letters. But it's not about R E O Speedwagon. You okay there? Trouble with that. Not about as much trouble as with REM. REM. Right. How about GTR? You... <laughs> with GTR? What's GTR? Oh, just shut up now. <laughs> if you're confusing REM and REO Speedwagon, Cal, we need to sit down. REM Speedwagon? REM Speedwagon. <laughs> Worst combo band ever. <laughs> <laughs> Worst. Worst mashup of all time. I can't fight this feeling <laughs> into drive. That'd be agonist. <laughs> um, what's GTR? GTR was the Do guitar hero band that featured like uh, Steve oh. Hackett and Steve Howe. That's right. Oh, that's oh. awful. <laughs> no one said it was good, but there that's it was. A, that's a terrible job. The other um, use of ELP, Cal. That's completely in your memory bank somewhere is they did a version of Fanfare for the Common Man that was at the beginning of Islander Hockey Games on WOR. That's on volume six of Pompous Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the opening of Islander Games on WOR during the Cup years? 
and it the, the it was the montage and it was the opening. In, in fact, I bet you can find it on YouTube. I I remember it. I don't remember so I know I know that, but I didn't I didn't know that that was ELP. <laughs> Again, <laughs> you thought that was G and F and R? Yeah, ELP. Wow. Right, Peach? I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not mistaken there, am I? Oh no! I mean, they were they were big for that. Uh, Keith Emerson liked to take uh, classical music or orchestral music and then do it all on keyboards and force us to listen to it. <laughs> that was pompous rock, volume six. Is that pompous rock? We'll turn it up to a measurable level. <laughs> <laughs> So I can so I can look down my nose at it. <laughs> Pompous right. I bet you if there's six volumes, ELP's on the other five as well. It's right. It's on all of them. <laughs> yeah, they they, think they they probably have an entry on most of them. Um, yeah, no, that uh, Cal, I remember that distinctly. Like if you, that's the opening to an Islander game. Oh, I definitely remember it. I and any. Anytime I hear that, it reeks of greatness. Like, it's just, it's magnificent. Like, that's greatness. It would make sense as to why they dropped it, ultimately. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> just, it didn't quite fit the product. Once they stopped making the playoffs every year and had an owner by the team who only had, like, $42 to his name... Um, <laughs> And became a uh, an embarrassment of a franchise. Yeah, I think even ELP, not knowing anything about hockey, <laughs> probably came over and said, you've, uh, "You've got to stop using that, please, please, have a crisp." This is embarrassing. Uh, anyway, uh, Peach, uh, we're going to talk about sports in a second, but holiday spirit, where are you? I dream there'd be fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> They used Israelites. I can't. I still. I, I gotta give them a little credit for that. Sure. Well, they also uh, have a song called Jerusalem. No. Well, of course, it's the first track on Brain Salad Surgery. Brain Salad Surgery. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. I said it. No, this is not. We're not quoting Spinal Tap, by the way. No, they're <laughs> quoting William Blake. Yes. Like you do when you're in a band. As one does, right? And right. you're pompous. And you're ridiculously they to impress anyone, were they? <laughs> I, I love me. Who do you love? <laughs> they said there'd be snow on Christmas. Get a load of the Thinking Man's band over here. But I yeah. <laughs> should have called I'd... themselves PhD, not EOP. <laughs> Thank you, Vinny from Brooklyn, <laughs> calling in, calling into RTU. Yeah, how you doing? First time, long time. You guys are talking about ELP. Yeah, should have should be called PhD. They feel so good about themselves. I dreamed there'd be meatballs on Christmas. <laughs> Sanchez sucks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, what was the question? Uh, are you in the Christmas spirit? Oh, <laughs> hotel. Let me, let me. No, I want to back up because PJ. Last time we ha we did the show, you talked about how 
it goes either way with you. You go to one extreme or the other, and we wanted to check in where you were this year. Um, it, there was some Christmas music, and, and it got me in the right mood, and I started to go bananas. Jumped in the car. Excellent. Started buying right. things. What? Jumping the car? My, he jumped over a car. <laughs> I, I, I jumped through a plate glass window. <laughs> he was I doing took my son out for Christmas shopping tonight. We had a ball together. It was just it was great. Wow. All right, so you're oh, in. Yeah. It's oh, I'm in. We're in, we're on, we're making Christmas menus. We're hosting this year. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, it's going to be like uh, 55 people here. It's going to be nuts. 55 Ow. people. Well, no, I'm exaggerating, but a lot. All right. We're going to have to purchase folding chairs. Uh, so, <laughs> wow, that is a party. So you uh, get the ones, get the ones with the cushion. Nice. Don't skimp on. Why? Uh, of course. I would suggest no, checking not, in with. It's not an AA meeting. This is a, this is a real deal. <laughs> For God's sake. Although, although you will drink as much coffee as they do right. at an AA meeting. <laughs> you will need to make that much coffee. For sure. If you got a local VFW hall or something, maybe you could borrow their chairs. Or I borrow dream there'd be free refreshments. <laughs> I'm just going to do that all night now. Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's just weird. <laughs> they even use the uh, the Father Christmas in there instead of you know they can't you can't possibly say Santa Claus and remain that pompous. No, Father. So they have to say, "I saw there was Father Christmas." <laughs> Who are you talking about? Right. His steering wheel was on the other side of the car. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> just trying to get everything. They have to get everything in. <laughs> they just have to get it all in. Okay, we're gonna, uh, Pete. We're gonna talk about sports. Will you come back uh, later? Sure, I'll be over here wrapping presents. Don't worry about me. Nice. Yeah, give us an update. Do. Did you read what the fun load's going to be while you were making fun of me for uh, misspelling mold wine? Uh, I stopped at mold wine because I was <laughs> laughing really hard. Because <laughs> you had me at mold <laughs> I wine. Just, I, I just picture you hosting a Christmas and bringing it out. Didn't we talk mold wine last year? No. On the show? No. Oh, that was a different show. We don't. <laughs> I only have the one. No, I think that was RT Politics. That's, I thought that was RT Chicago. That came up on. <laughs> I have lots of good ideas, you guys. I have uh, lots of good ideas. I'm sure. <laughs> you got a book of them. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was when I was on Regis and well, I don't know who was there at the time. <laughs> I think Regis was still there. It was it was, it was just oh, Regis. was that it, was that intentional and I didn't catch it, or it was, was that unintentional? It was. I'm, I'm all confused now. I'm I'm confused. Cal doesn't even know what we're talking about because he doesn't bother to read the episode descriptions. <laughs> he doesn't. He's we're not like, this time of year, at least. He, no, he's he's got mini Christmas tomorrow. He's swamped. Right. It's mini Christmas Eve over here. <laughs> it's mini, it's mini, mini Christmas Eve. We're all, we're eating little fish tonight. <laughs> There's only four fish for tonight. That's right. yeah. It's shrimps and anchovies. That's it. <laughs> right. Get a nice plate of galama from uh, Emilio's. Some scallops. Right. Sure. Um, no, PJ, it was not on purpose. What I'm referring to here, Cal, is that I said pour yourself a glass of mulled wine mm -hmm. uh, or some eggnog with a little rum nice, 
and tune in and listen to us tonight because we're having fun. This is fun. Oh, this is this is fun. Right, but I spelled it M O L D because I was in a hurry. Mold. Right. <laughs> so PJ was kind enough to point that out to everybody that I'm an idiot. No, uh, oh, right, because that's that's what I wrote. I wrote that's news. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you actually made a very funny joke. Very funny. I made light. I made light. You made the light. Mold of the- wine <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> Uh, he said, um, mold, uh, he's talking about M-U-L-L-E-D, not M-O-L-D, which is usually served in prison after it's run through, what was it, run through a sock or a... A sock or underwear, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Restraint. Which is delicious, by the way. Mold. Mold. Not, not mold, mold. Now we're talking about practice, right? We're talking about mold wine, okay? Not mold, mold. I know, I'm thoroughly confused. This is if Alan Iverson was explaining this. I thought that was Herm Edwards explaining it. No, that would be much quicker. We're talking about mole, okay? Mole. You mole the wine. You mole it. It's mole. Not mold. Not mold. Mole. The wine is there to mole. <laughs> You're going to have to mole it, okay? Okay? I don't care that you mole it. It's mold. Not mold. Wait, gosh, mullet? I miss, I miss it's a mullet. Gosh, I miss Herm Edwards. A oh, mullet. Man. Who's got a mullet? You know, if Herm Edwards wasn't so bad of a game day coach, he could have coached here for fifteen years. See the problem was that he was so bad of a game day coach that he could not coach here any longer than he did. That's correct. But he was a from Monday to Saturday, fantastic. That's why he's perfect on TV. He really is. Perfect. He really is. I mean, the fact that he and Eric Mangini are have done the same job twice, the fact that they've both been coach of the Jets and now are both analysts on ESPN is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Which is so ironic because that is clearly the direction that the current head coach is following. Absolutely, yes. It's where he will be soon. If Rexaclaws gets uh, uh, fired here, and we're going to talk about the Jets later in the show because they're the only 6-8 and eight team without any playoff possibilities that merits conversation. Just a little. A touch. A t- I have some things to say about the Sanchez and thing. Okay. Okay. I don't know what, much, what more we can say, but I'm... I have I'm, more to say. I'm all ears. Well, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had it with people. With people. That's right. Be careful. This is the holiday season. This is a time of goodwill right. and peace right. to man. You're right. That's do we fair. want to go there or do we want to save this one until after the new year? Well, there will be plenty of time. It's a little... People. Well, then let's talk about the Mets, shall we? Oh, right. The LOL Mets. The ELO Mets? The ELO Mets. You're thinking of ELO, you're thinking of uh, uh, El Dorado. And... Right. Uh, uh, like, don't bring me down. Don't bring me down. That's yellow, right? That's yellow, right? The and traveling Wilburys. Jeff Lynn, of course, was in the Traveling Wilburys and also produced uh, Harrison stuff. He was also the center square on Hollywood Squares many a time. Never. That's Paul Lynn. Paul Lynn. Right. <laughs> Jeff Lynn. Jeff. <laughs> that wasn't Paul Williams. Would Jeff Lynn would be the worst center of Hollywood Squares ever? 
Have you seen Jeff? Do you know what Jeff Lynn looks like? Yes, I do. With the crazy British fro and the, the, and the sunglasses. Glasses and, uh, it's time for the big unload, Cal. I'll take Jeff Lynn to block. <laughs> he's smoking a cigarette like yeah, he's sitting back. He doesn't even acknowledge that he's been called he's, on. He's actually got a mixer in front of him. He's like actually, he's actually mixing an album while while he's on. He like looks up from the mixer. Yeah, what? Well, well. <laughs> I'm going under the assumption that Jeff Lynne is British. I would be shocked if he wasn't. I don't. I don't know if he is. Is he British, PJ? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, thank you. And what's the name of the album I'm thinking of? Is it El Dorado? El Dorado is the uh, the concept album they did. Right, which has the, the, the ruby slippers and the cover and the thing. Right, and uh, can't get it out of my head. Gotcha. And uh, that isn't that was wasn't that like the album that the Beatles would have made if they had gotten back together? Wasn't that like the sort of only your brother thinks that? No, no one else. <laughs> <laughs> no one else thinks that. <laughs> no one else. If if you find someone else, bring Fine, him to I me. I think it too. I'm gonna give that to my brother. I think so too. No. Not so much. No. Uh, I I you could see that. That's like the album the Beatles uh, would have made if they had gone back. I'm gonna say it. I went ahead and said it. I don't even care. All right. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> you said it. Jeff Lynn is the secret square. Jeff, can you stop mixing the album for a minute? Just a minute. We we have this ridiculous question for you. Hold on, Jeff, I'm adding straight. Man wakes up in the morning. He goes to the bathroom. What's the first thing he does in the bathroom, Jeff? Mixes an album. Jeff Lynn says mixes an album. Do you agree or disagree? <laughs> I disagree. What is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Wait, that's right. It's brushing his teeth. Nah. Circle gets the square. <laughs> Circle gets the square. That's right. He's crazy. Circle gets the square. <laughs> PJ jumped in with the... Uh... <laughs> what did you say? About the pool, about the pool boy? <laughs> I said he wakes up the pool boy. I don't know what that means. That's Paul Lynn. But it's a good Paul Lynn. (laughs) He tells the pool boy to get off his arm. (laughs) Paul Lynn has made this show wildly inappropriate. (laughs) Agree or disagree? I like the Paul Williams mention. He's uh, he's awesome. Paul Williams is great. Paul Williams. Wasn't he uh, a midget? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Was he short? He no, was very he's, short, right, Paul Williams? Just, he's, he's just small statured. He's about 5'2". He was small. I remember him with the Muppets. Big big career with the Muppets. <laughs> Huge career. A career befitting the 4'11", Paul Williams. He had that mop of, of blonde hair with the sunglasses all the time. I yeah. have him strictly in, uh, is it Cannonball Run or uh, Smoking the Bandit? Smoking the Bandit. Right? Smoking the Bandit, where they put him next to a six foot six actor. You know, to exaggerate who was, that. Yeah, who was that six foot six actor though? Uh, I think Pat McCormick. And it was uh, was it like his was it his father or something? Daddy? Or, no, wait. Oh, oh, was, you mean the character or the actor? The well, the character actor. 
The, the character. <laughs> Who's the character actor? It was Pat McCormick as as Big Daddy. Yeah. Big Daddy, right? And he was yeah. little. Was he Enos? No, he was little. Yeah, little Enos. Little Enos. Like that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, he done. He did that to me. They had like the what a goofy movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> it's it was fun to watch. It's Magnificent movie. Well, that relates to the fun load we're going to get to later. Which is okay. And I can tell you later how Paul Williams got that role. That's right. <laughs> You're the only one who would know that. Oh, stop it. I feel like it's you and Paul Williams. No, <laughs> it is. You know that dude wrote songs for the Carpenters? He's awesome. Really? I'm not kidding. No, Paul Williams is awesome. He's quite decorated. Okay. Uh, let's do a. Uh, let's just talk about Blue Haven real quick before we do the big unload. So uh, this episode is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC, Blue Haven Sports Bar on the corner of Houston and Thompson in New York City. A fantastic sports bar. I, You know, back in the day, Cal, when I was a younger man, I would probably be at a place like Blue Haven right now uh, having a couple of beers watching a football game. Sure, Saturday night, 10.30, absolutely. I certainly wouldn't be clubbing. I would be at a sports bar much like Blue Haven, where there's adults, there's good beer, you can have conversation, you can watch a game, you can hang out, uh, there's great beers on tap, there's great food. Uh, everything you could want in a sports bar you have at Blue Haven. So go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details, daily specials. They have all the soccer, all the football. They're going to have the bowl games. They got it all. Tomorrow, Giants, uh, Ravens. We're going to talk about that later. Go watch it. Go watch it there. And we're going to do another live remote from there in January. Because the last one was a blast. Working on a guest for that, Cal. Like a serious guest for that. We need to we need to get a serious guest for that. Okay. Oh, I thought you were work I thought you were working. I already have some things in the works. I have some irons in the fire, as it were. Okay. Great. I have some uh some uh uh spoons in the pot. Is that one? That's not one. Or ores in the water. I have some... No? No, that's not one? I'm going to run it up the flagpole, see who salutes. That's one. I'm going to pitch it on the green, see if we can putt. And these are these are all uh, not good. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. All right. So, uh, then the fader is still not working. <laughs> <laughs> we need a record scratch. We do need a record scratch uh, sound... Sounds wow, what? Wow. Such a sharp turn. Hey, Chachi. Um, since we were gone, I was in Texas uh, visiting for the, for a week. Yeah, you were. How'd that go? It was good. Yeah. I was in uh, West getting sick. It was good. It was a little trying, a little challenging that way because you're trying to keep him well to see the people. Sure. So, you know, he was, uh, he, was like a, he was like a football player trying to keep well, you know, all week. And then you're up with him all night. It was, it was, it was challenging. But anyway, where it's like a uh, a, an actor on stage that needs to fight through an illness because the people have come to see him. That's correct. Nobody really interested in seeing me. Uh, Understudy. Yeah. Nobody. They're all there for the kid. Uh, But it was it was good. It was nice. I had some great barbecue. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, Because when we play golf, my brother-in-law and I—that's our thing. Like we play golf and then we go have barbecue. Nice. And uh, fat, very fat. I went to a place, uh, but in a good way. You're supposed to be fat. Right. 
Went to a place that Mark Marin had talked about on WTF. Oh, yeah? One of my favorite podcasts. And a while back, he had mentioned this place called Opie's. He was playing uh, South by Southwest, maybe, or uh, in, in Austin, and he loves barbecue. And somebody had recommended Opie's to him up in Spicewood. And on one of his podcasts, he did like a whole bit on Opie's. Not a bit. He was talking about going there. And uh, my brother-in-law was like, uh, hey, you know, we could we could check out Opie's. I'm like, yeah, I'm game. Did he know about Opie's? He had been there, yes. Okay. He had been there once before. He hadn't been there in a long time. Um, And I said, it's like akin to when he's in New York, like, let's say we played golf and then our thing was to go get pizza. Like, I could take him to a pizzeria in Brooklyn and... He'd be like, this is the best pizza ever. And I'd be like, oh, it's pretty good. You know? Right, yeah. That's the way I am with barbecue there. Like, I get barbecue, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. Wherever you go. Right. All of it's just unbelievable. And he's like, yeah, it's good. It's good, it's good barbecue. It's solid. He's Burt Reynolds? He is, he is Burt Reynolds. That's <laughs> good. It's good barbecue. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of car we taking there? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I uh, got to have some good barbecue at Opie's. Opie's was fantastic. Really, really good. Nice. And then we went to we went to Burn It, uh, spelled B-U-R-N-E-T. Okay. So Not we Burnett. W- we would say Burnett, probably. Right. It's Burn It. Um, Burn It Feed House and Barbecue. Well. <laughs> I don't know if you can top that. I think PJ's alluding to the fact that we should just bring out Dom DeLuise now. No, no. He was doing Carol Burnett. No, I know that's Carol Burnett, but I'm saying I feel like I'm telling really telling a really lame story on Carson. You know, like one with Johnny Carson. You uh you went to Texas. Uh, how was that? Oh Johnny, they have so much barbecue there, it's it's crazy. Anyway while we were while we were away, the Mets traded R.A. Dickey, Cal. Yeah, last, uh, I guess the deal was, was finalized on Monday of this past week, Monday or Tuesday. Right, but we didn't even get to talk about it. No. Uh, on the show, because we did the show last Tuesday? Wednesday. Tuesday. Last week. So, so, yeah, so last week, so Tuesday. <laughs> there it is, the knuckleball talk. Well, we talked. We talked a ton about would they trade him? Should they trade him? Could they trade him? There was the hubbub about him being an elf at the Christmas party and going off on the organization, which he, by the way, said he regrets. So too late. Right. So the trade goes through. Mm-hmm. So give me. We haven't really even you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it in earnest. Not really. Texted a little bit here and there. Talk to me, Goose. What do you? How do you feel about this? Do you, do you, do you love this trade as much as I do? Let's start there. I like it a lot. Um, I'd like to think that most reasonable Mets fans kind of feel the same way about this trade. You just said reasonable and Mets fans in the same. Well, there's only there's only a few. There's seven. But I'd like to think that those types of people are sad to see him go, appreciative of what he gave us for the last three years, both on and off the field. Mm-hmm. But know deep down that this is a trade that you absolutely cannot pass up. You do not get an opportunity to pick up the top catching prospect in all of baseball. They don't grow on trees, Steve. (laughs) Do I have to tell you 
catchers do not grow on trees. No. They don't. So if, Absolutely. You, know, if you have an opportunity to get one, you got to get one. And then to get uh, uh, another hard-throwing pitcher, oh my, I mean, not that it was a throw-in, but, I mean, he certainly wasn't the key to the deal. You know, the key to the deal was, was the catcher, Travis Darno. But Noah, uh, and, and I am... I have always called him Noah Snydergaard, and I have to try to fix that. It's Cindergaard, right? Cindergaard. Yeah. Noah Cindergaard. He got um, two of the most difficult names to pronounce in one trade ever. Darno and Cindergaard. Darno and Cindergaard. And if for you Dickie. look at the way, the way they're... For Dickey. Magnificent. Right. Monica Only the Mets, Only Only the Mets, Mets. Would, would make it harder to pronounce their team's names. <laughs> right. uh, I totally agree with you in the sense that a rational Mets fan should try to see what Sandy Alderson's doing. Um, and if you get not, and not only is this kid a top, the top catching prospect in baseball, he's also like a top five prospect in baseball. Period. Yeah, he's at, at, at worst top fifteen. At, at worst top fifteen, exactly. You just added somebody to your organization that you didn't have. Steve, he's also not a single A catcher. He's, no, a, he's no, major no. league ready, just about. That's my other point. Is he, you're going to see him this year, without a doubt. You're going to see him this year. The only reason he probably wouldn't be the opening day catcher is if you save him for 20 days, you get you buy a year of free agency. Right. And you can you can get by with John Buck for 20 days uh, at the beginning of the season. I I I love this deal for a number of reasons, but again, it, it happened last week. So what I wanted to talk about. Was this? This was sort of my take with what the Mets are doing. Is, am I crazy, or is he building the San Francisco Giants? He is trying to build the Mets into the Giants. Look at the way he's constructing this team. Look at the way they're drafting. Look at the trades they've made, and then also look at who's won two of the last four World Series. It, or is it two of the last three? Two of the last three. Three. Yeah. And how they've done it. I mean, they won the World Series two years ago with an outfield of like, you know, Chico Escuela. And uh, I mean, they had a terrible, you know, Andres Torres was a big part of that outfield. <laughs> he was. He and was. Pat Pat Burrell, Andres Torres. Like, you can win with a subpar outfield. But they had it at catcher with Buster Posey. And they had a great staff. Now he's got to build the back end of that staff, uh, that road, uh, that you know, that pitching staff. But am I wrong? I mean, is that is that nuts? No, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good um, it's a pretty good comparison. I, Boy, I, I feel like that's what he's doing. Well, but I I think what this what this tells you, and it should put to rest any any doubts or any questions about the fact that he had a plan when he came in here. He had a plan. Now, what I will argue a little bit is that he's sticking to the plan a little too much in the fact that he's got this windfall of, of open salary space that's going to be available after after this coming season, going into 2014. Yeah. After 2013, he's got two guys under contract. He's got John Neese and he's got David Wright. True. So you can essentially build a complete new team if you wanted to at that point. And I think that what he's doing is – He's so focused on that, and he's been so focused on that post-2013 situation 
for the last three years, that he might be letting some opportunities to improve this team go by the wayside now. I Okay, why do you think that? Because I think I disagree. In other words, I think and, – and I, I can't kill him for it because the right guy hasn't been there that they passed on because of money. That was my that – that. so I can't kill him for it. But let's say like, – like a guy like Cody Ross, who, signed, who actually signed a ridiculous contract today. Three years. $26 million. Yeah, I'm not giving Cody Ross three years. Okay, let's say it's not Cody Ross, but let's say it's somebody else that could help the team. Do you think he would make that signing now, knowing that all of his money comes off the books after this coming season, right? Yeah. Do you think he would make that signing now? Or I, I feel like he's just looking, like he's he's almost not looking at the possibility of signing somebody to a long-term contract now, knowing that he's going to have a blank slate next year, and then he'll do whatever he's got to do. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I think there's a couple parts to that, though. And one of them is, who is out there this offseason, even big ticket-wise, that you would have given a long-term deal to for the money they got? I don't I don't think anybody. It's like, I don't know if you can say that it's not part of his plan if anybody that does it, or anybody that would have fit into that, uh, that criterion, uh, those criterion, it wasn't available. You mean like it's, I mean he's not going to go sign Josh Hamilton for five years? No, of course not. So I I just he's not going to sign Granky. But if you're looking gonna... if you're looking at the team needs for 2013, okay, we know what they are. We know that they need outfielders. I mean, period. Right. I don't think he's. I think it's. I I still think it's December 22nd. It is. Like it's there's early. there's seven weeks left till pitchers and catchers report. All right, here's here's the guy, here a guy like Michael Bourne who's out there right now. I, uh, All right, it's it, now again it's only December twenty second, but let's say you get to January twenty second and he's still out there. Then and you I, could sign him to a three year deal, you know twelve thirteen million dollars a year. Approximately, because I don't I don't know exactly what Michael Bourne is going to command on the open market, but I, I feel like three years, forty million, seems reasonable for Michael Bourne. That he yeah. reasonable that he would ask for three thirty six. Would Would Sandy Alderson do that? At that point, he might. You think? At that point, he might. All right. At that point, you you're you know it's it's, it's January. You need to get an outfielder. You have a player who's young. He fits in, you know. He would fit in nicely into City Field. But he's not young. That's the problem with it. What is he? Thirty? Thirty-one? Two? All right. So, but I'm saying, you're giving him three years. You're not going to get killed. But, but a guy like Michael Bourne at 32 relies on his legs. That's not right. a great. Again, I mean, I understand the example, and the example is not terrible. And if if he's still out there on January 22nd, and you can get him for three for 30, then you you would have to think about it because. But you only have he only has 10, 12 million dollars left. To use in the budget. I mean, that's the other over this year for this year. Yes, right. 2013. That's the other overwhelming constraint that he's dealing with. See, I think his plan has been all along. He knew he, he knew he had to bloodlet this team and, and get this payroll way way down. But the Madoff decision has come in. He's not in the same position he was in last year. 
And contrary to what everybody said and everybody reported and Adam Rubin and Howard Magdal and all these guys reported, okay, he's going to have – they're going to have like a $110, $115 million salary. Uh, uh, is it going to be that high? Yes, it is going to be that high. With operating costs, by the end of the thing, the, the, the salary is going to be at about $110, 115 okay. So – you know, reports of them having a $90 million uh, salary ca- uh, total salary or whatever uh, was not accurate. But any that's that's besides the point. I think his point – I think his plan all along has been to build through trades. He said it. I mean he said it. He's not going to go – they just signed David Wright to an eight-year, $140 million contract. Okay, it's not like they're not willing to go long term, but they'd rather go long term on somebody in house and keep him here. Right. Everybody going crazy. Oh, well, they didn't do it for Reyes last year. Well, one, they couldn't. Everybody forgets that Reyes was on the disabled list right before the trading deadline. Yeah. Well, everybody conveniently forgets that. What are you going to get for a guy on the disabled list? Yeah. Nobody forgets that. Yeah. I, I I know, Brian, but. The other problem is that the, the Mets never made him a decent offer, The blah, blah, blah. Well, the Mets were not going to make an offer to Jose Reyes that was long-term for over $100 million. They just weren't. He relies on his legs. They're not going to sign him to seven years when he's 29 years old and he relies on his legs. Period. Anyway, my point is there's still seven weeks left. And he's looking – He, I think Sandy Alderson feels if I can get one competent outfielder – now that my infield is set and I have a hitting prospect catcher coming up who's a righty, who's going to play this year, I can get one outfielder and I'm going to be fine. I can get by with Neuenheis and Duda and uh, you know uh, Baxter if you sign Harrison, if you have Dendecker mixed into there at some point, you know. Uh, they make a you know everybody's making fun of Ka- uh, Colin Cowgill. He's right. a legitimate outfielder. You put Colin Cowgill on the bench, and he's your he's your fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder. You know, if Mike Baxter has to platoon with Scott, don't forget. Well, you can forget if you want. I've forgotten, and I think many Met fans have forgotten that Sandy Olsen loves Lucas Duda. He loves him. Yes, he does. There might be a problem though. They're not. Con- I. It, it might be, but they're not convinced that Lucas Duda can't play yet. I think they envision Lucas Duda as the everyday left fielder. Okay, I think they're willing to run Lucas Duda out there every day in left field thinking that they're going to get 30 home runs out of him. Okay, and you know what? I'm willing to take another year to find out about Lucas Duda, if he can be an everyday left fielder. I think one more year. Yeah, th- that's it. I'm going to give him one more year. I think this is the year. He's he's fast becoming Butch Husky. So, you know, I want to give him one more. By the way, Butch Husky had a very solid year in 95. 95 or 96? Was it 96. Talk about that though, Cal. Do you don't uh, while well, I look up Butch Husky's numbers then? Go ahead, yeah. Um, but that idea that he can get by with that outfield because the infield is set. You know, I don't love to hot at shortstop, but no, but he's but he's a legitimate he, major league shortstop. Exactly, he's a major league shortstop. He plays the position very very well. I'd like to see you know more than ten doubles. But uh, you know, I mean, I think he had a he had a bunch of doubles early last year, and then the pop just completely went out of his game. But your infield is set, and if you mix in the Darno kid at the catcher, and he provides you some pop there, and he provides you some, you know, he strikes out a ton, but the kid can rake. 
forget about forget about Darno for a second, because you got You have to temper your expectations with him at the very beginning because he's a rookie. Yeah, but I I'm, I'm only going to temper them as far as people tempered Buster Posey's because they're they're very similar prospects from everything. Yeah, and all, by all accounts, he's not going to be Buster Posey, but he's going to be a step. He'll be right there. Does everybody? That's nonsense. Everybody. Keith, Keith Law loves him. And, Keith, say, and Keith Law hates everybody. Butch Husky in '97, 142 games, Cal, 24 home runs, 81 RBIs, a, a 287 batting average, only a 319 OBP, which is not great. What was his WAR? His WAR? Let me check his WAR. All right, nerd. He had 61 runs scored. He had 135 hits, 26 doubles. That's a that's a terrible Met team too, by the way. You're begging oh. the question. I want to hear his advanced metrics. Fine, fine, settle. His WAR uh, that year is point six. Mm-hmm. I 0.6. see. I see. Okay. Be- because of his position. The defense rests. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the you don't want to hear his rare? No. The, I, what's ironic about this is that I completely his rare agree. his rare that year is eight. That's, that's pretty good. That's not that good. Do you know what a rare is? Absolutely not. A rare is runs above replacement level. Okay. So he generated eight more runs for the team. No disrespect, but could care less. <laughs> All right, nerds. No disrespect to the to the sabermetrics anywhere. You've already disrespected them enough. I have. That's true. I but say you've done enough. There goes that faction. <laughs> so... But but, no, but go actually going but going back to the catcher I think yeah. what I'd like to I'd like to say that John Buck is a little underrated because John Buck has got some pop he can do a nice job he can I hit you twenty get, home runs which you weren't going to get look I don't want to see John Buck play a full season Cal no but John Buck is is going to be a little bit more productive I think than a totally Nickyish combination or a totally Shopic combination you and I are more productive than a totally Nickyish combination. My point is that John Buck is is not just an isn't he's like he's not a nothing piece to He's this. not I just think, a pretty face. I got you. And I think he is he a, can play, yes. He's he's a fine placeholder until Darno is ready. Darno Darno better be up day twenty one of this year this major league season. Or what? Not or what, just why not? How about that? There's my answer to your or what. Why not? That's, that's Look, they've, right. already, they've already been projected to only win 66 games. Adam right. Rubin has already told us they are they are the least improved team in Major League Baseball. Do you know that they're the again only again and again and again? Did you know? Did you know? You know, this is our segment. Did you know? Did you know that the Mets are the only Major League team not that has team. not signed a Major League free agent this entire yeah. off season? Yeah, they're the only one. Only one. Trying to get Adam Shine on you. Just, the, just them. They're the only one. Yeah. Even the Padres. Even the Padres. Here's a here's here's a funny tidbit. At one point, the Padres and the Mets were the last two teams to have never have thrown a no hitter. That's right. I don't know if you knew that. So the Mets trumped the Padres by throwing a no hitter last year. The Padres got them back by signing right. somebody this year. <laughs> he has time. And the other thing, that, and, and uh, Syndergaard, Syndergaard provides them with an opportunity, Cal, to trade for another outfielder. Why? Because they have a ton now of power arms at the low minor league levels. Maybe. 
Maybe or maybe not. Maybe they just go with what they have. He's. I think he's going to get an outfielder. I think he is. I think he's probably trying and hasn't been successful to this point. I think he's going to get an outfielder. I think he. I think he needs to. To get one more outfielder. I saw a couple of names thrown out there, like Coco Crisp. I would take Coco Crisp. But look at the out. Look at the outfields of the teams that were surprising and made the playoffs last year. I mean, look at the outfield of the San Francisco Giants last year. You know, it's not great until they make a trade for Hunter Pence. They had Aaron Rowan in the outfield, you know, two years ago. I mean, you can. I'm. I. I think you Nate can Sherholtz. get by. Nate Sherholz. I mean, you can get by. If you get production out of, and they had Cody Ross come up huge in the playoffs in the World Series, out of nowhere. Would what I, you, who would they? Who would you have signed? You gonna? Are you gonna give Shane Victory? You, you gonna give Shane Victory no thirty six million dollars? I mean, come on. That's that's no. Because would you have given Angel Pagan four years and forty million dollars? You see, you've just used two horrible examples, isn't it? But that's who was out there. Well, Nick Swisher's still out there. I don't want Nick Swisher on this team. Why? Because you don't need him. Why? Because Nick Swisher is a product of that ballpark, and he's a product of that lineup. Mm. The only thing that Nick Swisher does that that Sandy Alderson probably adores is he used to walk a lot. He used to have a really high on-base percentage. Of course, everybody knows he was drafted by Billy Bean. He's a huge part of Moneyball. Billy Bean loved him coming out of Ohio State. I, I get all that. Maybe I just don't want to bro it down, Cal. Maybe you just can't. Maybe I'm just not prepared to bro it. Maybe right, that's so you, my problem. Yeah, so you don't look, look and, and so you look at Swisher the same way I look at a Victorino or a Pagan. I don't like them. I don't want them on my team. You don't want Swisher on your team. It's I, I would take Swisher way over Pagan or Victorino. Would you? Would you give? Would you give Scott Hairston $10 million for the next two years? No. Oh, total? Yeah, total. Yes. You'd give, him, would. You'd give Scott Hairston $5 million a year? I would. Really? Yep. Wow. All right. I think he can... $5 million? I think he made he... a million this year. Well, what do you want from me? It's $5 million. They, they only have 12 to spend. How many home runs did he hit? He hit a lot. He's um, and I like Scott Harrison too. I think he's perfect. He's a perfect. I, am I, am I playing? Am I playing him every day? If I'm, if I'm paying him five million dollars, I got to play him every day. But you're not playing him every day. I don't want to play him every day. I'd you rather wouldn't. not. I'd rather platoon him in right field with uh, Mike Baxter, which is probably what would, would happen. So I'm paying five million dollars a year for a fourth outfielder, a platoon player. I, I guess other I'm, teams do. <laughs> unfortunately, I think that's what it would take to get yeah, him. I mean, other teams do. You wouldn't have given Cody Ross that contract, obviously. I'm not giving Cody Ross three years. Just not. I would have given him two and ten. Oh, I would have given Cody Ross two and ten. Well, he clearly didn't take it. But he busted what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I think Sandy Alderson would have given him two and yeah, ten. He wasn't taking that. Um, how about Ryan Ludwig? He no. signed for two ten. No. Although I don't hate Ryan Ludwig. He's if if I'm gonna sign that right-handed guy, that sort of secondary outfielder, I'd rather sign Harrison. At least he's been here. Yeah, I mean, and he's the, he's liked in the clubhouse. He's a good guy, you know. These are the guys that we're talking that, that about. Magnificent shaved head. Look, maybe he didn't like R. A. Dickey. 
That's, maybe he was maybe, the guy. Maybe he was the guy. Well, that's the two things I want to finish up with with the Mets. One is uh, I have had to unfollow certain people, certain Met fan blog runners uh, on Twitter have to because it's gone. They've gone to the quote unquote dark side. They really have. They've they and it's just you know, oh, I was away from Twitter for a little while. What stupid thing did the Mets do today? Like why why would you be a fan? And you write a blog about them. You spend time out of your busy day to write like 500 words a day about a club that you hate. Why? That they love. They're fans. They, supposedly they do, but they hate them. Right. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be all pom-poms and everything, but... I feel like it's, I feel like it's a little bit like with the Red Sox, how everybody said that their identity was the curse, and it was yeah. like... You know, it was almost like people thought Red Sox fans liked having the curse because that was their identity. And the same thing now with Met fans. The Met fans' identity is that they have horrible owners. Yeah. And 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 there's and the fans are such victims of of the heinous acts of the owners. Yeah. It's you too know? much. It's way too much. It's just it's just too much. I think. I I feel like. The way that the Mets handled everything. Now, the, the Ken Davidoff uh, story, you know, I don't know where that comes from. I mean, the Mets have a terrible habit of, uh, or at least somebody in the Mets organization, Jeff Wilpon, has a terrible habit of sort of kicking, you know, throwing, uh, casting aspersions at players as they go out the door um, to try to make the Mets look good for not signing them or trading them or whatever. They've done it for a long time. Um, so I don't know if he, you know, there was speculation that the Davidoff and Davidoff, for those of you who don't know, Ken Davidoff wrote, uh, about, uh, R.A. Dickey being a bad teammate, apparently like the day that this trade was going to be consummated, that Dickey was a bad teammate and he was, you know, what not, wasn't liked in the clubhouse and it, that just nonsensical stuff. He followed it up with another article defending himself. Oh, I didn't see that. He wrote a second, the next day he, cause he, because he got a lot of negative comments. I can't imagine why. And feedback, right. and then made you know started off the, the the subsequent article with a snarky line about I didn't realize Met fans were so attached to R. A. Dickey. Yeah, well, Andy Martino compared it to trading Seaver. So I mean, can we? You just traded your Cy, period, Young, period, award winner, period. Wrap your head around that, Met fans. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm good. Done. Did it. I'm I'm okay with it. I wrapped my head around it and I feel great about it. You know why? Because trading Ari Dickey was like finding money in your pocket. They 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 signed the guy three years ago to be triple A rotation fodder because Omar Minaya was out of guys to throw in the rotation in triple A. And they needed a guy to eat innings. Look, do you do you think he found money? He's found money. Do you I believe that there's probably a little something to the fact, uh, to the story that, that Davidoff wrote. He was probably, I, I, I always thought he was too polished and too good to be true. And, and there was probably, like, his moves were very measured and calculated, I think. Okay. I think. But I also believe him to be a good guy. That's my perception. I don't know him. Now, I my think perception so of him is I that, would agree with that. Is that he, is deep down, he's a good guy. 
and he's like genuine. It. And I think here's a little breaking news for you, and you'll you'll read this maybe tonight, but certainly it will be in your morning editions tomorrow morning as you're sipping your Sunday morning coffee. All right, I was getting all sports reporter there. That was that's pretty good. <laughs> um, Ari Dickey has uh, penned a thank you to the New York Met fans that will show up in the New York Daily News oh, tomorrow. Oh, great. So when you talk about calculated and measured, I again, and I, and I just read it briefly, it sounds sincere, but he's certainly doing it for a reason. And it's not just because he loves the fans in New York. Right. But... You wanna you wanna smear me on my way out? Right. Well, I'm gonna I'll get the last word in. So maybe the guy was cautious about his reputation. I mean, maybe he was. I think he was very careful to protect that reputation. You know, once he started to you know have some success and stuff like that, it seems like he tried to cultivate things a little bit. Okay. And 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 and, and I can also see people being jealous of that. Right. But he's he's not Tom Seaver. I mean, come on, come on. The guy, it's just ridiculous to compare him to Tom. Like, to just say that you've traded the franchise. He won a Cy Young Award. He had an unbelievably great season. I'm glad he won the Cy Young Award. He won a very deserving Cy Young Award. We talked about it on the show a lot. He deserved the Cy Young. For this team, he needs to be traded. There's too many holes to fill. My last thing on him, and and I've I've said this pretty much all season. You have. One of the most... You don't even know what I'm going to say. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> We've been doing this show a long time, my friend. A long time. That's true. One of, one of the most surprising things as a Met fan that I've ever encountered is the, is the attachment that I had to R.A. Dickey. Okay. All right. R.A. Dickey signed with the Mets as a free agent three years ago. He was, he was a minor league fill-in, a journeyman that had done nothing in baseball, and, and it was like, you know, he was really just a complete non-entity to me. You know, mm-hmm. and the way that his, his his three years that he pitched here, and the way he was on the field and off the field, and then reading about his story, and he, I just, I became a huge fan of the man and the player. Um, and and he made these last three years. He was a he was kind of like he was kind of like a positive light in 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 a lot of crap that we had to deal with for the last three years. Absolutely. You know, it was kind of like you had, you always, Ari Dickey was the guy that kind of rose above all of it. And I thank him for that. I thank him for that. Um, I appreciated everything that he did here. I appreciated his story. He was, he was inspirational to me. I agree. Yep. Um, but it was time it, to, it was time to move on. And, and he kind of served a, a greater good for the Mets. By he the did. Year. He did. Right, he did. Well, we'll find out. But I, by all accounts, this was this was the right thing to do. So you know, I'm 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 sad to see him go. I would have loved to have kept him around. I personally think he's probably going to take a step back. I don't know I, how he can duplicate that. Okay. But yeah, uh, I, I don't know if he can duplicate it. But I think he'll have. I, I think he'll be able to be successful. Um, 20 wins successful? I don't know if he'll be 20 wins successful, but I think he'll be able to be successful. He throws a very different kind of pitch. He throws a knuckleball that nobody throws. So we're in sort of uncharted territory with him. Sure, it's hard to predict. Um, there's a lot of things in his favor because he does throw an unpredictable um, 
different sort of pitch. He doesn't rely on, but he throws it harder than anybody. So who knows what sort of toll that takes on, you know, and he had problems with his foot and his rib cage and, you know, his groin. And so I, I still think he'll be successful. My final thing on it, uh, everything you said, I echo because you're, you're absolutely right. And he always seemed to rise above it. And he seemed to say things like, you know what, we got to play better. And we got to, we got, he, he, he seemed to be a good team spokesman. Um, so if some of that was contrived, then fine, whatever. You know, it was nice to have a polished professional uh, player here who clearly cared about the team. That's a great point. And everybody refuted Davidoff's article and said, you know, the the one quote that I loved was, you know, the only people that didn't like him were douchebags. Right. Like if there was somebody in that locker room that didn't like him, they were D-bags. You know, so I Which think, makes sense. Yeah, I think Davidoff had a little bit of an axe to grind. I don't know why. Seemed a little personal. Well, that's I believe that's where the jealousy because nobody else wrote about that. No one. So it's either a planted story and Jeff Wilpon asked him to do it, you know, or somebody from the Mets asks him to do it, or he seemed like he had a little bit of a personal axe to grind. Maybe he got passed over to write his book. Who knows? You know, cuz it was co-authored by a guy from the Daily News. You know, maybe Davidoff was was uh, you know, in talks to co-write the book with him and then Dickie turned him down. You know, you don't know. But it seemed personal to me. But the last thing, again, which I love, because we talk a lot about how the teams are covered, not just the teams, is nobody seemed to mention what R.A. Dickey signed for in Toronto. I know you love this part. Everybody just tripped over each other to mention that the Mets had insulted R.A. Dickey by offering him two years, a two-year extension for $20 million. So it would have been three years for $25 million. Well, and the Mets are insulting. It's ridiculous. Even R.A. himself couldn't help but be an elf and and <laughs> uh, uh, be an angry elf. And uh, I like that line in Elf when Peter Dinklage comes in. Ooh, he's an angry elf. <laughs> you know, and, and say that it was, I'm insulted, this, that, and the other thing. And then he signed for... Two-year extension for twenty-four million. Twenty-six. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. No, it's twenty-four, and he has a buyout for the third year, which is one million dollars. Oh, okay. So the total value of the contract is, uh, at best, would be thirty-six, because the, they they have an option for the third year. Team option or player option? Club option. Third year for twelve for him at twelve million. They have a one million dollar buyout. So he'll make thirty total. Yeah, he's guaranteed thirty. Right. The Mets had offered twenty five total. Guaranteed. So really the Mets hugely insulting offer was four million dollars less. Five million dollars less. And that wasn't their final offer, by the way. Meanwhile, what you what you said two weeks ago on this show which somehow everybody sort of picked up on after the fact, which was even R.A. Dickey, for all his genius, was that, of course, Sandy Alderson hasn't made his best offer to him yet. What if he takes it? And the Mets are trying to trade him and find out the trade market and see what happens with Zach Greinke and see what happens with the winter meetings. You said it. It would be stupid to make your best offer to him. If you're trying to investigate the trade market and the trade market has not developed yet. Oh, you're a fool! 
would do such a thing. And not a word, not a peep. Huge articles left, right, and sideways about how it was an insulting that offer, they have no money, blah, 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 and it was a whole $4 million more. So, anyway, wanted to get that in. All right, I think we're good on the Mets. I think so. Um, yeah, and by the way, 66. <laughs> When's the last time we're going to hear this song? Last time we'll hear it. Uh, and, oh, uh, the other thing, 66 wins? Can we can we get to February? Can I see what the team is going to look like? 66 wins. They just took 20 wins off, they, you know. They 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 had a Cy Young Award winner and they traded him. They took twenty wins off. Yeah, and we lost eighty eight games with him. Right. So actually, they they should only be projected to win fifty four. <laughs> they took twenty off. It's the old. What was the old uh, Ralph Kiner? You know when he with uh, Branch Rickey, and he said, "Look, we lost a hundred games with you. We can lose a hundred games without you." You know, uh, yeah, we, that, you hit fifty four home runs and we lost a hundred games. We can do that without the fifty four home runs. Right. And Look, I, they have pitching. I would I I I would not have hated. I don't know how you feel about this. I wouldn't have hated it if ultimately that he didn't he didn't get a trade like this offered, and he and he signed him to an extension. Wouldn't have hated that. No, I would have been fine with that. And you want to know something? The Mets would have given him two years at twenty at twenty five million. Absolutely. At least they would have given him exactly what he got. They would have given him what he wanted. He would have literally got the exact same contract from the Mets. Literally. I have no doubt in my mind. And I would have been fine with that. Yep. I would have been fine with that. I would have been disappointed that they didn't they, they couldn't take the opportunity to improve the team on multiple levels and in, in different positions. But it would have meant that a trade like what they got wasn't out there. Can you answer me one question before we move on to the Giants and the Jets and stuff? And move on to football. Can you answer me one question? I, and I'm being serious. I would like an answer. I'm not trying to be facetious or set you up or whatever. You have to? You don't have to give me an answer. You can do whatever you want. Okay. You, know, you could be one of those D-bags in the locker room. Yeah, well, I didn't like Dickie. Instead <laughs> of the self-promoter. <laughs> With the beard and the book. His beard and his crazy hangdog eyes. <laughs> his freaking vocabulary. And all, his, all his smart words. Enough with the smart words. Um, yes, so, um, this is all true. So, uh, uh, why does this trade mean they're punting 2013? Exactly. All right. What, um, what kind of answer are you looking for? Are you looking for the snarky answer that a beat reporter would give you, or are you looking for, uh, the truth? I'll take both. The beat reporter would tell you that the Mets just traded their ace, and they don't have a replacement for him, and they have no outfield, and the catcher that they just brought in is a minor league catcher. It's only a prospect. They brought they did bring in another catcher, but he batted 198 last year. In fact, he batted the lowest of any regular major league player in the league last year. That's what they brought in. Other than Jason Beck. Uh, but he wasn't considered regular because he didn't have enough at bats. Other than Jason, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative that John Buck yes. is the worst player in baseball. Worst player in baseball. Okay, so got it. that's why the Mets and and they brought in all of this future right. talent. Sure. So they 
So they might be good in like 2015, 2016, which is what you're seeing now. They, they've moved on from 14 because it's too close. Right. Now they have, to, they have to say, well, they're not going to be good till 15 or 16. Right. Because Zach Wheeler is, is, is still two years yeah. away. Too and, far right. away. Right. Um, so this actually pushed it out a year. Put, exactly. So they punted 2013, and they're, you know, 14's not looking too good either. Met right. <laughs> right. That's what the beat reporter would tell you. The reasonable person would tell you, and I'm and I will quote the most reasonable person I know, Mr. Steve Sampietro, that it's December twenty second. Let's maybe hold off on making projections for this team <laughs> two months before pitchers and catchers report. Can we just wait? Can we? Do we know who's going to be on the ball club? You no, know, there's a you know you could make you're, you're projecting your lineup. Right now, I, I think uh, according to the projections, the Mets will not be fielding a center fielder this year. That's correct. They'll be playing with eight guys and um, journeyman pitchers. Is this part of Alderson's plan? Is that what he's going to do? He's going to play with eight guys? Is that part of his genius? He gets all the credit. What's he done? The honeymoon's over. All right? What's he done? Got the cushiest job in the world. Everybody knows he's Seelig's gift to 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 the Wilpons. I got another one for you. What does Ricciardi do over there? <laughs> All these highfalutin assistants that he's got. The Podesta, Ricciardi. What do they do? Hey, I can I can listen to you say Ricciardi all night like that. Hey, you know what Ricciardi does? He gets you Travis Darno. He gets you Travis Darno in the garden. That's right. He gets to the number one catching prospect in baseball and probably like the number 10 hitting prospect in all of baseball. I would love for him to just kind of like poke his hat out and like, hey, guys, just, you know, just wanted to let you know I drafted these guys. <laughs> I traded for Darno. I kind of no. know who they are. Right. I was the one who made the trade to get him from the Phillies. That was me. That was me. You ever hear of Roy Halladay? Right. <laughs> I traded Roy Halladay to get this kid. Right. That's, that's what I think of him. Right. I've now I've now made two trades in my career with two separate organizations to get this kid. <laughs> two Cy Young Award winners. Maybe I know what I'm doing. Right. I have traded two Cy Young Award winners to get this kid. That's what I do. When you want to know what JP Ricciardi does, <laughs> that's what he does. And then he drops the mic and he's out. Right. And then he just sexual chocolate. <laughs> and Deep Podesta sitting there like, I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah, I don't know. Punch it up. Punch up the numbers. Um, okay, good. Good Mets talk. I feel better. I feel a little bit better. I'm 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 excited for the season. The more this goes on and the the angrier Mets fans get, the better I feel about this team. I really do. I really, really do. I, I really tell, do. I gotta tell you, I'm developing a, a sort of a resistance to it now because it's just it's so much ridiculous noise now that it doesn't even it doesn't even affect me anymore. Right. Right. It's weird. Like enough. Speaking of uh, yeah, I can't I can't wait for pitchers and catchers. I'm excited about this team. I am. I I, I want to see Zach Wheeler. I want to see Darno. David Wright's going to be a Met for life. You know, like can we get Ike to have a full season where he hits 35 home runs and see what Matt Harvey can do? See, Matt Harvey. It's going to be the Matt Harvey from day one. Yeah. I mean, and who knows? You know, maybe maybe Wheeler makes the rotation out of camp now. Maybe well, there's a spot for him. Well, he's got to wait 20 days too because they they got to push him off a little bit, but. They could. But it's fine. 
They could. Well, you, you know what? what? Beautiful. Put him and put him and Darno down in AAA. Exactly. And let Wheeler throw to him for the first month, and then bring them both up May first. I know. That's all. I, I'm excited about the, it's. The, they're starting to become a beautiful. Alderson's doing this. He's putting together a team, and I'm. You know, I bet you how many how many uh, wins were the A's predicted for? I know we said the same thing about the Diamondbacks last year, but the Mets were competitive till August first. You no, know, July first. July first. Right, the All-Star break is when it fell apart. Remember, they went into the All-Star break. They were six games over five hundred. Yeah, it was that last series before the break against the Cubs. Where they lost two out of three. Right. They not like the way they did the Cubs. The only game they won was the Nice complete game, or the G complete game. Which happened to be his last. That was the last game that G pitched. Uh, but they were competitive till July 1st. Like, very competitive. Like, in second place, eight games over five hundred. Oh, yeah. No, they were... They but just... I, I, I I feel like he knows what he's doing. That's me. Call me I, call me kooky pants. I felt I felt it all along. I've had a lot of a lot of faith in him because he's done it before. He's got a track record of doing it in other places. Yeah. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. It's never happened in New York before, so people don't have the patience for it. Correct. <laughs> but I think I think they're going to be okay, and I feel like I feel a little '83 vibe to the season. So do I. See, you this know? feels '84ish to me. Yeah, maybe. This I think they can if they if they get an outfielder, if they swing a trade or it somehow comes down that they're able to sign Swisher or something like that. This feels eighty four ish to me because I feel like Wheeler can come up and be Doc. You know, and be Doc esque. And Harvey's darling. Har- Harvey's already darling. Yeah. Harvey's already darling. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm feeling that they need Keith. They still need Keith. That's, I think that's right. They need Hernandez. I think I think right. Yeah, it probably is right. You're right. Now that he's now he's the captain of the team. Right, he's in. He's the captain. He'll probably get a seat. Yeah, that's fair. I'm feeling 84ish though. All right. That's optimistic. Maybe a little bit. But that's only because they were competitive, like the 83 team was for like half a season last year. I don't think they have the talent that an 84 team had yet. They don't have Strawberry. They need a Strawberry. No, they have Ike. No, but they need a straw. They need an outfield. They need strawberry in the outfield. Yeah, they do. They need a strawberry, and then that's that's Brandon Nimmo, and that's not coming for a couple of years. It might not. It might have to be a trade. It might have to. Maybe maybe it's uh, Justin Upton. Right. I would do that. I would still do that trade in a heartbeat. What was what was it again? Um, but Nice was involved in that. I right? think Nice was involved in that. I, I don't think you can do that now because you didn't sign Dickey. Uh, but still, I would go get Justin. I would. Uh, or is that BJ? No, it's just Justin. Yeah. He's the guy that's he's 25 and he's the available. Upton brothers. All right, get the brothers Upton. <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh, to football. We got. Let's just spend a couple minutes on football. <laughs> um, right now, I'm I'm watching uh, this uh, Atlanta Detroit game intensely. What's happening? Because I'm not. Uh, well, I have fantasy implications. Yes, you do. By the way, first ever finals in both leagues. Really? Yes. You're the first one to do it. I am in the finals of both. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nothing better than a perfectly placed Hallelujah. Wow. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, let me let me go on record as saying I am proud of both of you because <laughs> I had I was fearing this last week when I saw how the games were play, were shaken out. <laughs> And I thought, geez, this is going to be a rough 
rough holiday week. Right. And I give you credit. Maybe maybe we've just been insulated from it, but I give both of you a lot of credit because this could have gotten ugly. We've worked very hard to uh, to keep it clean. Well, we've worked very hard. Kudos to both. Um, of you. And it's going to be a wacky shootout. Yeah, it will. I've already got seventy points up. Uh, In one game. Guys. Yeah. But he's got he got he's got thirty six out of Matt Ryan, already. Boy, um, it's weird. It's a uh, nobody wants to hear about your fantasy team. I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's a weird dynamic to have two teams in the finals because I have conflicting players. So like I have Julio Jones in one league and I have Roddy White in another. So I'm mm. like uh, you know I want them both to have a big night, and then of course I'm going against Matt Ryan in one league. Right. I have Calvin Johnson in one league. I'm going against him in another. You know, so it's it's uh it's a little difficult. It's a little tricky. Well, but uh Evan and I have a I'm playing Dr. Erase. That we have a ton of respect for each other. Uh he fears me. Uh I fear him. It's but you good. also you also hate each other a little bit. In fantasy, we do. We yeah. really do. It's in a, a little... good way though. In a loving way. It's it's just, you know... There's nothing nasty about it. It's just the family gets torn apart, and you don't like to see it this time of year. You hate it when mom and dad fight. I hate it. Yeah. I just I sit in the corner with my fingers in my ears, and I wait for it to end. <laughs> you know? The family's ripped asunder. But you guys have been very... I, really, you, you've no, done, we, we, done a we great actually, job this week. We actually talked about it and said, look, let's just... It's going to be a shootout. Anyway... Uh, so a good start. I would have liked a little more out of, or you know, I didn't need Matt Ryan, who of course on this show I have destroyed endlessly. Uh, yeah. Uh, on our little podcast, uh, I didn't need him to throw for two seventy nine and four touchdowns and have twenty five rushing yards. That was a little bit of a a bafangul to you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Keep ripping me, buddy. Keep ripping me. What's nice about it is that you'll know tomorrow. Because yeah. you don't have to wait for Monday night game. That's right. No, this is you'll know and and you'll be able to either have a have Merry Christmas or uh, yeah, still have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, no, but let's find out if Christmas is paid for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this 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 winning both would pay for Christmas. This is my uh, repeat visit uh, in the other league. I was in the finals last year and lost. You lost last year. Yeah. Mm. I'm on some sort of fantasy run, Bri, That something has to give. I I need to win one of these games. Yeah. Because going back to baseball, baseball was... ago, out of a possible five, uh, six championship games, I've been in five. And I have no... <laughs> I have no titles to show for it. It's rough. It's not right. Anyway, uh, Jets, Giants, real quick? Yeah, let's do the Giants real quick. Since they're just the relevant team. Just, right, but just one thing on the Jets. And the Sanchez benching... Oh, you want to just do the Jets quick and get it out of the way? Yes. Okay. And the whole thing. Okay. Exactly. It, it ceased being fun on Monday night. It was not fun. Here's my here's the observance that I wanted to give to you. I was in Texas watching the game with uh, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. Big Cowboys fans, but big football fans, and they were great. They were trying to help me get a win there. And they're watching that offense. And my father-in-law says to me, are they always this slow? Oh, boy. 
Like, they look like they're running in sand. And we had just watched the Cowboys game the day before and stuff like that. Like, watched, and, and the Texans game, like, watched professional NFL offenses. And they don't watch the Jets all the time. That was his observation. Are they, are they running, are they, they always this slow? I said, yep. I said, all season. And then when they brought in Tebow, when Sperano brought in Tebow after two completions, it's like, not even, forget about the series that they gave him, which is just, my brother-in-law said, is this, this is the first time, right? I said, that's correct. Um, they brought in Tebow after Sanchez finally completes two passes in a row. And they were, they were in shock. I said, guys, do you think I've been lying this whole time? I said, this is exactly, now, now, hey, Mark Sanchez, go get him. They, I, I know that he's going to, uh, you know, he's gotten killed and, and rightfully so in a number of instances. There was a, an article on, uh, what was it, like PFT or uh, uh, Pro Football or something like that, or uh, what's the other one? That it was Sports Nation that likes to kill him. And it was like a breakdown of his interceptions on, if you're going to look at tape of Mark Sanchez on Monday night and say, this is why he's not an NFL quarterback, I'm sorry. I, I can't take you seriously. I can't. Because you're, you're looking at a guy in week 16 of a season, or 15 of a season which is completely lost. His confidence is shot. He's playing like a rookie. Okay? He's playing like he's played five games in the NFL. If you're going to show me that tape and tell me that's why he's not an NFL quarterback, great. I'm going to dig up the tape of the New England playoff game, and I'm going to show you why he is an NFL quarterback. Okay? We can do this all day. We can do this all day. You know, I can, I can dig up enough tape on Mark Sanchez over the last four years or three, <laughs> to show you why he's an NFL quarterback. So stop. Don't use Monday night as exhibit one of what... Now, is he a good NFL quarterback? Not right now. He's terrible. Does he deserve to get benched for the rest of the season? Absolutely. Can he ever play in New York again? I don't think so. I think he might have to. But I, I, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. Um... But all I'm saying is, enough. Okay? Enough. You don't need to break down film of his last interception on Monday night to know that he's not a good NFL quarterback right now. Okay? Maybe you could tell me why the third-string tight end dropped a touchdown pass on the first drive. Does that count, too? That doesn't count. Again, you know, just be measured. I, Brian, I have never seen anything like this. Where this this guy has gotten killed in the national media on a weekly basis. Like, I don't remember them writing articles like this for Kyle Bowler. I don't remember it. The reason, but the reason why is because of Tebow. Because Tebow's part of the, he's part of the story. It's the, San, what's going on with Sanchez is part of the story. It's Sanchez and it's Tebow and it's the Jets dysfunction. Right. And that's why the national media has picked up on it. And don't forget, the media loves to pile on. Yeah. When they see a, when they exactly. see a wounded doe, right. they step on it. Wow. <laughs> like a little fawn. Yeah. Oh, look, look, little look. poor little animal step on it. Right. And and then laugh and be snarky in its face. But then, and everybody knows I'm a huge Sanchez apologist, and part of it is because of the fact that I wanted to see him succeed. 
that I wanted to have a franchise quarterback, my Look, own, for once. But you want to know something, Steve? If you're a Jet fan, you should have been. Everybody should have felt the same way about him. Everybody yeah. should have wanted to see him succeed. Right. Nobody. And I don't, not everybody felt that way. The other. Uh, so you know what? I I've said it. Been saying it for weeks on the show. Hope he goes to New Orleans, backs up Drew Brees, learns Sean Payton's offense, and becomes an All Pro in two years. Good luck. He needs to. I would take less money. And to reboot my career and go somewhere else. I really well, you, well, just let's touch on this for thirty seconds. What do you think? What do you think they can do with him? I mean, if if they release him, it's a seventeen million dollar cap. They can't. They can't possibly release him. So they can't release him. Who's going to want him in a trade? You could. Uh, uh, I think there are two or three teams that you could contact, but you're going to have to eat most of the contract and send back a pick. Right. <laughs> you're going to have to like send him and a fourth. And eat six million of the contract to get back like a sixth, and it's unfortunate because. But I, I, Cal, I will bet you dollars to donuts there are coaches in the NFL who think he can play. All right, Ryan Lindley started three games this year. Okay, and and the minute he steps foot in Arizona, if he becomes their quarterback, he'll have the best receiver he ever had in the NFL. Well, that's true. I just feel like I feel like he's regressed so much that I don't know if he can come back from it. I well, I don't. Think I don't know. He can in New York? No. Well, well, every. I mean, he's you, a supremely confident kid, though. He is. I know it's been shaken to its core, but at 25, he just turned 26 years old. I'm not ready to say that he can never be good again. Again, like if you've watched him for four years, you've seen games, plenty yes. of games. Yes, but. Here's Where he point. was more than an NFL quarterback. He was a good NFL quarterback. I, they, didn't, they didn't get to the championship game the second year by accident. He won four games, came back in four games, two of them in overtime, where the defense crapped the bed completely. And he bailed out the defense. And they went 11-5. and five. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I have, I have watched him for four years, and because I've watched him for four years, I've seen the difference in him in the last year and a half than yeah. he was yeah. the first two and a half years. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of what I get hung up on is, I've seen him well, how regress. Much, how much have they ruined him? That's they the killed him. Right. They, they killed him. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's deplorable the way that they, de- they, they developed or. You know, I can't think of the opposite of developed. Yeah, textbook, you know? textbook, what not to do with a quarterback. Oh, it was, it was, it's awful what they what they did with him. You <laughs> um, know, and they bear a lot of responsibility in this, a lot, a ton. Hey, look, you know, Antonio Cromartie was just named Team MVP. It's the fourth year in a row a defensive player was named Team MVP. Shocker, right? I bet you Mark Sanchez was like, yeah, no kidding, no no guff, Chet. Thanks a pant load. You couldn't get me one player. One player. In the last two years, one player. That's a difference maker on offense. And you know what? I don't want to hear about... I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about Josh Freeman anymore. Okay? I don't want to hear about Matthew Stafford anymore. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Matthew Stafford has Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson has 11 catches for 225 yards tonight. Calvin. Uh, uh, Calvin Johnson. He has 11 catches for 225 yards tonight. Calvin Johnson broke the NFL record for most yards in a season, most receiving yards in a season, 
in game 16. In game 16. And what's their record? 4 and 4 and 10. Yeah, they're about to be 4 and 12. 4 and 11. Yeah. Okay, so enough. Yeah. I know. All right, what's Josh What's Josh Freeman's record now with the Bucks? And he's got Vincent Jackson and Doug Martin. Who's a better back than than he had since Thomas Jones? Enough. Whatever. Here's a good one. Here's a good, I I know you love this one. Fire Tannenbaum, please. I know you love this. <laughs> I know you love this one. Uh, what's Joe Flacco ever won? What's Joe? How's Joe Flacco doing? With Ray Rice and Quan Bolden, he had Todd Heap for two years. He's got Torrey Smith. What, what, what's how's he doing? Ray Rice. He's got Ray Rice. And oh, and by the way, one of the best defenses in football too. But but I guess that defense didn't carry him to a championship game, right? No, he did it with his twelve of thirty-five passing. Enough, enough. Last last thing for me, and it's just a question for you about Tim Tebow. Yes. And he's not going to be. He will not be around much longer to have to talk about him. He better not. He won't be. But I have seen enough to know I have seen too much. Do you feel a little bad for him? No. Next question. <laughs> okay. I, I don't. I don't. I, they don't owe him a blessed thing. No. They don't owe him a thing. I just. I feel they bad. They don't owe him a thing. He chose the Jets. He did. We kept hearing over and over again about he chose the Jets because he could beat out Sanchez. But did he? Oh. But. But can can we explore the possibility he chose the Jets because he thought he'd have a chance to beat out Sanchez because that's the chance they led him to believe he had. And they didn't even talk to him. They can't talk to him before he was traded. That's tampering. Well, no. In, in this situation, they would allow... They didn't talk to him until after he was traded. They can't talk to him and say to him, oh, this is what we're going to do with you? No, I don't. Well, all right. Question. Well, you know what? I feel bad for the kid. I feel bad that his career was completely stunted this year. What career? Whatever career he might have possibly had. I think it's so abundantly clear how badly he stinks that he couldn't supplant Mark Sanchez this season. And I will argue that they were afraid that he might be able to be better than Sanchez, and they would have had an even bigger problem on their hands. What do you think Rex Ryan values more? Mark Sanchez's uh, uh, fragile psyche or getting to the playoffs? Do you think for a second that if Rex Ryan thought that Tim Tebow could get him to the playoffs, he would not have been playing? This is Rex Ryan we're talking about. When they were out the other day, when they got eliminated from the playoffs, he told Sanchez he wasn't starting as they were going off the field. That's how pissed off he was. And you're going to tell me that he didn't start Tebow because of a grudge? I I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. He stinks. If If he'd just become a running back, all this would go away. 
You know what's crazy? The problem is you can't run a traditional offense with him, Brian, and they weren't going to change the offense up completely. Right, right. I mean, it was, you know. Not, it was the personnel. They didn't have the personnel. It's the worst skill position player personnel in the league. Hands down. Braylon Edwards on one leg was the best receiver they had on the team. And he, and he just showed up three minutes before the game started. Days before the game started. That's why the, that's why this notion that somehow Rex threw the playoffs away by making Sanchez the starter again is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Tim Tebow is not going to win with that team. Nobody's going to win with that team. Greg McElroy sure won't. No, no. Greg McElroy is not making the playoffs with that offense, and Tony Sperano calling plays. Not happening. Boy, he's he's remedial. Oh, that guy, <laughs> he is. It's Jay. It's the Joe Walton Hempstead High School playbook. Holy cow! Wow. Only only the Jets would. And I, I yeah, I just said it. Well, that's same old Jets. It, that is same old Jets because they hired an offensive coordinator who's running. And I tried to talk myself into him. And because he and and again, just because he's not shoddy, doesn't mean shoddy's good. Yeah, let's slow down with that one too. Yeah. Oh, I bet you, you bet you guys want Shoddy back. No. No, no. He stinks too. Yeah. Ask the Rams. No, no. no we just want a good offensive coordinator. Not one of those guys. But the Jets hired an offensive coordinator who's running an offense uh, from the NFL circa 1993. <laughs> Everybody else is throwing the ball all over the yard. We're going to run the ball 50 times. And, and P.S. We're not going to build the personnel to do it. Next question. We're just going to take what we got. Just take what we got. And run this retro offense. That's right. Good job, everybody. You know what's amazing? And and as we were talking ourselves into this back in July and August, this whole Tebow nonsense and right. Sperano and you know, all you heard was if you've got two quarterbacks, then you've got none. Right. And it all and you just heard it over and over again. It just it seemed like. Endless rhetoric and just okay. You're just saying that because you know, uh, my boy. Yeah, couldn't have been not been more accurate. Couldn't have been more accurate because they literally ruined the career of two quarterbacks. Yeah. Not only do they not have two quarterbacks, they ruined their careers. Right. I said though, like, so has, is, somebody tweeted, "Is that an NFL record? Like ruining two quarterbacks' careers in one season?" I I wanted to tweet back. That's not even a Jet record. <laughs> Like the Jets did that in nineteen. Remember when they played uh, Glenn Foley in like the last game of the season? It was meaningless, and he blew out his shoulder. Yes. And he was coming in for I think it was Brownie Nagel maybe at the time or whatever. Was Brooks Bollinger on the team yet or no? No, uh, Bollinger it was later. Later, yeah. But they they ruined two quarterback careers in one season. That's not even a Jet record, let alone an NFL record. <laughs> Look, enough Giants, and then we're doing the fun mode. How do you like them apples? Hey, you're the boss. The Knicks are good, by the way. Yeah, well, I don't know why we can't talk about them. I've been dying to talk about them. Too soon. Too soon. It's Football's, not too soon. Football's going on. I, listen, hey, I got here. a question for you guys. Uh, before oh, who's this? Who's that? <laughs> I dream the Jets on Christmas. <laughs> it's Pignoli PJ. <laughs> Pignoli PJ. Like I'm that. PJ Pignoli. <laughs> RTU Sports. I'm a PJ Pignoli. PJ Pignoli. Why do you got to say it like that? That's so phony. I'm Paul Cacioppo. 
Like, like get your I'm a DePaul. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm the really broken old man Italian. <laughs> I'm a Paul. I'm a Paolo Cacciopo. I'm a Cacciopo. <sighs> and back to you. Archie Sports. <laughs> they said they said there'd be Aston Martin. <laughs> um, yes, you wanted to ask about the Jets. Uh, no, uh, related. Uh, did PJ you guys catch Fox. the the Joe Namath documentary that HBO is running the heck out of? I caught it back with. It's the same one, right? Mm-hmm. That they had showed at the beginning of the football season. I'll see that I missed it. Yeah, no, it I'm was. Only it, it now. Did we talk about it no. at the time? I don't think we did. It was uh, it was brilliant. That's that's still one of the better. And I I I really can't stand Mark Kriegel these days because he's just taking way too much joy in slamming the Jets every day. Uh, but that's one of the best biographies I've ever read. If you want to, real wanna, good, real real good, like like Ken Burns level good. Yeah. If you want to read a uh, a fantastic no. sports, oh, okay. No. You, you, yeah. Lost me at Reed. No, Next question, Your Honor. <laughs> no, a, a great uh, uh, sports biography is uh, Kriegel's Namath. Yeah. Uh, okay. Even if you're if you're a sports fan or not, Namath is just a fascinating character because he's the first sports superstar. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's the first sort of sports, the first sort of athlete as celebrity, like a crossover star. Yeah, yeah, and again, the, the, the I mean, he's doing movies with Anne Margaret. Like, he's he was beyond anything that had come before. He's like the Beatles of sports. Yeah, he's like the Beatles of professional athletes. He really is. Every, you know, every year I work player. on that. I work on that gem that you. I know you watch it. The uh, Super Bowl's uh, greatest commercial. Greatest commercials, yes. The pantyhose one, of course, is. Legendary. Right. And and we you know every year we roll out a Joe Namath commercial, like the uh, the sexy one, the, the one that's all fraught with innuendo. Him and Farrah Fawcett putting on Barbasol. <laughs> it's so dirty. Why don't you get me phoned up? <laughs> exactly. Namath has the most bizarre dialect. Oh, this fits really well into the phone mode, darn it. Oh, you didn't even know you did it. Let's just do it. You know what? The Giants are playing the Ravens. They got to win tomorrow. <laughs> I hope they do. Let's move on. The Ravens have lost three in a row. They're ripe to be beaten. Giants are gonna win. The Giants just got shut out thirty-four to nothing. Don't matter. They turn it up when they need to. So the Giants are winning this game. Is what you're saying? The Giants are gonna win this game. Yep. Okay. I have Ravens uh, winning this game twenty-six to twenty. The faders worked. I, what happened? How they do? Um, the fun load, uh, guys. I, we really should. We'll talk Giants next week. Well, we next to, next week will be Giant time. Yeah, we had to finish the Jets. We had to. And now let's let's usher in the Greg McElroy era. It's going to be short lived. About two games. Yeah, it's about two games. Talk see, what the, see what the one it's scout going said about to be short lived. Did you see what the one scout said? No. See, he, there's no chance he can be a productive NFL quarterback. He said at the scouting combine, you had to, you were afraid that you'd wind up with a ball in your ear if you turned away. Like that's how inaccurate he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Your 2012 New York Jets. 
Uh, by the, the the last thing, it's going to be a fun off season for the Jets. Yeah, can we reapply Lynn Sanity to him somehow? We can apply Lynn Sanity to him. I don't know how, but we can do it. To who? Mackle Sanity? Mackle Sanity? Mackle Roid Rage. Ooh, I like it. That's not bad. Uh, just another in a long, long, long line of jet backup quarterbacks that the fan base loves at the expense of who they should love. Um, I'm Jeremy Schaap. <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> Schaap, ESPN. By the way, Mark Kriegel, I didn't read the Namath book. Shame on I- you. Well, I know, but um, I know you love it. He's got. He has also written a book which I just started about Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Mancini, right? The Good Son. The Good Son. That's his most recent book. Which Why is, don't which you let us know how that is? I'm going to because the the Ray Mancini story fascinates me. Really? Yes, and and we we will get to this at some point. Your fascination with the Ray Mancini story fascinates me. No, no, no. My, my, I, I talked about how I was a huge boxing fan yes. back in the 80s. Right. And we'll talk about that at some point. But the Ray Mancini story is just fascinating to me. It's such a, yeah. a real-life Rocky story. I did not see that coming. Except that Rocky didn't kill a Korean. <laughs> that we know of. Not on film, at least. Not in any of those movies. Well, then, unfortunately, Ray Mancini did, and then the story in the book really is leads up to Mancini's meeting with Dooku Kim's son. Oh my! That's like like Mancini's whole thing was that he wanted to go meet the son of of this man that he had murdered in the ring thirty years ago. Right. And uh, and he you know he went over to Korea and met with the kid and and the mother and it, it's it's amazing. Sounds uh, like I don't need to read the book now. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. But Mark Kriegel is a good author. He's a good biographer. Yes, he is. He hates the Jets, but he's a good biographer. Yes, he's he's just being really stinky right now. But that's okay. Yeah, it's not it's not unusual. Okay, the fun load. And the reason that Namath brings us there, by the way, it's time for the fun load. The fun load is brought to you by Blue Haven and of course by uh the film Fat, our buddy Mark Finney, uh who's finishing it up. It's coming really, really well. Uh, search on Facebook for Fat the Film and uh, go like that page. Check it out. The movie's going to be great. So the reason uh, Namath is a perfect segue into the fun low is uh, we got to we got the I saw that uh, Ashton Kutcher is playing Steve Jobs, and so then Grantland ran a great article about uh, the staff's uh, least favorite casting decisions. And, uh, and of course, the, one of their chief ones was Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams, uh, which got me to thinking about a couple things that I wanted to talk to you boys about. I thought you'd like it. One is um, casting in general, the perfect cast, because this conversation also came up concurrently this week about the best cast movie overall. It's like a top five best cast movie your best casting and it's got to be way more than the leads like it's it's got to be like 10 12 roles deep oh wow that's that's like perfectly <laughs> no no it's going to be easier than you think it is 10 12 what, whatever like if it's best ensemble casting all right it can't just be they cast uh, uh mark hamill's luke skywalker and it's perfect 
Okay. We all know that wasn't. The other reason I brought it up is because I went back to Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal? Uh, Teresa and I have a little party with this. Is it Gyllen- Jake Gyllenhaal? We're Gyllenhaal. It's gay. It might be yogging. The, the J might be silent. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, was, was supposed to play Namath. Get out of here, really? Yes, but this is like three years ago. He had signed on to play Namath in the biography. They were making a movie out of Kriegel's biography. Wow. I, didn't, he, I never heard that. Google, do it right now. Google. Oh, here we uh, go. Jake. <laughs> movie, wow. type, movie typing. That's a that's another that's a whole other fun load like pet peeves in movies like. Oh, I got thousands of those. Yeah, hold on. Let me just ring this up. His number was five five five. They're heading down South Dixon. This coffee cup is full of coffee. Watch. Right. That's one of yours. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I told you Jay's, right? Our buddy Jay Mafali from the IOS, his his biggest pet movie pet peeve that they do all the time. They do it on TV, too. PG will appreciate this one. Why is there always feedback when somebody steps up to a microphone? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you step up. That doesn't happen. Like, there's no reason. There's no reason for that. Every Why does movie- every cop car screech its wheels when it starts to drive? <laughs> there's no reason for it. There's no reason. That doesn't happen. That's funny you brought up the coffee cup one, uh, Peach, because that's one of Jay's other other hated ones. There's never it's anything. So, there's it's never so anything obvious. The there's never anything in the coffee cup. And you would think that it's always the most bitter cup of coffee they've ever drank. Right. <laughs> With the face face. <laughs> right. It may, they make it look like they just took paintbrushes out of it, like it was like turpentine. <laughs> Uh, we're going to lose the live feed in about three minutes, so please go to www.rtusports.com uh, and uh, go on the iTunes page, and uh, please subscribe to the podcast. We really uh, have been getting a lot of listens, and uh, we we love doing it. And we're not asking for any cash, nothing like that. Just um, if you can, subscribe to the podcast um, and check it out, and then it'll download automatically. You can break it up. We suggest doing that since we run like two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and so, uh, and thank you, uh, everybody. The year's about to end. We may hopefully do a show next week before year's end, but, um, just want to thank everybody for their support this year. Um, it's like you're and, counting down to the end of the year. That's right. Let's go to Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> that's right. He's with Adam Levine in Maroon 5. Out in Times Square. Right. Now listen, we we got some great stuff coming to you in the year 2013, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We really do. We really do. We've been talking for years about t-shirts and live remotes and, you know, SNY and all this stuff, and we're really going to try to make a lot of things. Uh, PJ, don't laugh at me on the air. Like, don't laugh at me during the show. What kind of producer does that? You're supposed to be. You are here to help us. I support you. Why am I? Why have you turned into Williamson now? And I'm well because I didn't appreciate the email where you were trying to convince me to move to Chicago <laughs> and start the show over there. It would have been so much better. Will you go to lunch? Go to lunch, George. Um, 
no, but we, we, we do have a lot of things uh, in the new year that we sort of want to do with it. So, uh, But thanks, everybody. Okay, so we're going to lose the live feed in about a minute and a half. So uh, go to uh, www.rtusports.com or go to iTunes, search Ready to Unload, and subscribe. Okay. Hey, hey, Los Lobos, get in here. Seven, six. John Stamos. It's Kenny McCarthy. Oh, Los Lobos. Oh, Los Lobos. With John Stamos on drums? With, with John Stamos, of course. <laughs> Kenny McCarthy. Uh, Anthony Edwards is here. <laughs> Two, one. Happy New Year, 1997. Yeah. We're here. We're here. Now we have to kiss on camera, damn it. <laughs> oh, here's the gin blossoms to ring in the new year. <laughs> the gin blossoms. Hey, Jealousy. Hey, that's, you know. Hello, Jealousy. Um, I was one, I wanted that to be British. Hello, Jealousy. Hello. <laughs> hey, Jealousy. Hello. Um, okay, so back to the uh, so the casting thing. Oh, so, so going back to your thing, which I just Googled. Right. He was going to play Namath. And it goes back to 2007. Seven, yeah, it's been put Six to years. bed. It's been put to bed. They haven't made it or whatever, but... Um, That's crazy. I wanted to just get into a, a good casting conversation where we would discuss, you know, uh, sports movies, too. Like, if we... Uh, what sports movies were perfectly cast? What could you see? What could you do? So um, let me get the ball rolling, as they say. We're just doing sports movies. No, we're going to do for, for best cast movies. Okay. We, we could start with sports movies All right. and move to overall. But I was watching it today. The best, it's easily top three for me, best cast sports movie has got to be Eight Men Out. It's got to be. And it's not that the baseball scenes are perfect. They're not. But uh, D.B. Sweeney as Jewish Joe, both on the field and off it, kills it. And part of the reason he's so great is because his lefty swing is very natural. Right. It looks like a, one of those beautiful lefty swings. And he bats lefty, throws righty, just like Shoeless Joe. And he plays him as ignorant. Not as as they said on Grantland. Grantland wrote a great article, you know, that that I mentioned before about the casting, mm-hmm. and about how Leota sounds like he just stepped off the set of Goodfellas. Right. Playing Julius Joe Jackson. Julius Joe Jackson was a was an illiterate rube from. Well, he wasn't a rube. He wasn't dumb. Uh, from South Carolina, <laughs> from like Greenville, South Carolina. He was. He wasn't smart. He wasn't from Astoria either. <laughs> he wasn't from Howard Beach. We told them to stick it. <laughs> like he sounds. So, I am proffering. How many How accents good? does Ray Liotta do? None. The answer right. is none. His voice, is, it's not even an accent. No. <laughs> he just stepped off of Queens Boulevard and didn't Mars. Yeah. So, I'm putting Aitman out there as the... Uh, uh, John Cusack is fantastic. Buck Weaver, yeah, he's great. Buck Weaver, they got Sheen, Sheen. to play Felch. You know, Michael Rooker's a, not great as Chick Gandle, but he's got the character down. You know, uh, the the guy they got to play Swede Risberg is a total that guy. He's been in a bunch of movies and TV shows. I can't think of his name. 
probably should have had a bigger career. What's his face was in that movie too? Well, Bill Irwin was in. Bill it. Irwin plays Eddie Collins. Yeah, he plays second baseman Eddie Collins and mm-hmm. Gordon Clapp. Right from NYPD Blue. He's um, not on NYPD Blue yet. Plays Ray Shawk. He plays the catcher. Right. And then of course pa- uh, Perry. Uh, what's his name? You said Gordon Clapp, but I. <laughs> Gordon Jump. Is that who you thought? <laughs> yeah, I thought of Gordon Jump. Gordon Jump is uh, the mate tag man. Yeah. Yeah. It was right. And of course, the most uncomfortable sitcom episode ever. <laughs> when he gets oh, Dudley oh, to take his shirt off. Yeah. Also, right. Also, the, All the right, give me a sports movie. Give me, give me a good casting sports movie. You need a good. I mean, Major League was cast pretty good. Major League's excellent. You know, I mean, I, I what's his face is uh, as Lou Brown. <laughs> right, uh, Gammon. Uh, 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 James Gammon. James Gammon. Yes, as, as Lou Brown. Was perfect. Yeah, and Barringer, who I didn't think you would buy, you bought. He did all right. He did fine. Did fine. I didn't love his a lot of his mechanics. See, Bull Dorham would be there were it not for Tim Robbins. Robbins was awful. Robbins was awful. On and Susan Sarandon was annoying in that, too. I mean, she played a good part because you, you believed that yeah. to be the Southern baseball groupie. Yeah. But she was 75 years old at the time. <laughs> That was a little unbelievable. Susan Sarandon's been 62 years old now. since 1985. <laughs> I didn't mean, mean to be harsh. PJ, PJ, give me a good one. What do you got? I like a League of Their Own. No, you know what? <laughs> no, but I like. I love where you're coming from. I love where you're coming from there because Hanks is perfect in that movie. I would not have thought of Hanks in that role. And he's perfect. He, he is, is great. Love it stole the show. Love but, it I'm, is great, but that's uh, not what? a deep cast. No, I'm sorry. I, that cast is not good. Coming. When you got Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell doing heavy lifting, but it went deep. I mean, there were but there were a lot of you had a lot of characters, a lot of key characters in that movie. It wasn't yeah. just like one or two protagonists. The casting's not bad. No, oh. but Hanks is. I'm sorry, Hanks is inspired casting in that. Because his swing didn't even look bad when he's taking BP towards the end. You know, like when they're on the road and he's taking BP and it's a long shot. His swing yeah. didn't look bad. He looked... He, I could buy him as a washed-up major leaguer, for sure. What about Rocky? Shh. Well, Would you, can you put that in, in, the, in the... Absolutely. ...category of sports Absolutely. movie? Absolutely. And it's terrific. Sure, Bert Sugar. You're like, you're, like, you're like a boxing guy now. <laughs> No problem, Studs Turkle. We'll put that in there for you. Listen, the fight game is a is a is a rough game. All right, Rampy. Cal's got to wear a hat now every time he goes on. Smoke a cigar. Yeah, you got to be chomping on a cigar and wear a ridiculous hat. People don't um, give the sweet science enough credit. That's because there's nothing scientific about it. Um, Rocky's perfectly cast. Just everybody. Perfectly cast. Apollo Creed. Uh, Creed. There's no. There's no one. Carl Weathers. Burgess Meredith. There's no one. Perfectly cast. You know, Burt Young. Burt Young. Perfectly cast. Talia Shire. I mean, it was great. Yep. Pete, you got a sports, an, another sports movie? Or you want to move into the regular movies? Ah, man, you know, thinking about it from the uh, angle of the cast is stumping me because I'm just coming up with movies that I just love, but I don't think the cast are... are like, I like Slapstick, and I like uh, um, The Longest Yard. Slapshot, you mean? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, slap, yeah, slap, stick. <laughs> a slap shot. And, uh, <laughs> 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 but I don't know. I don't know if there's, uh, you know, you, you you have a deep field of tremendous acting there. Uh, those are just movies that I just like. You know what? Those slap shot is really well cast. It's yeah. really well cast, as evidenced by the fact that you never saw Nate again, <laughs> or Annette, I mean. You never saw Ned again in anything. Clearly, they cast him just because he can skate. I think baseball movies, I still don't think they've... There's not too many they've gotten right. They really haven't. And the reason why... Is The Natural perfectly cast? Uh, oh, it's it's got to be close. It's close. It's, it's probably... Yeah, I, it probably is. It is right. The natural is perfectly. Come on, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a character that's not. Eh, it probably is. Yeah, what's his name? Gavin. Uh... Is it Gavin McLeod? No, Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin. I wanted to say Gavin McLeod, but no. it's not Captain Stooping. Blues Rock uh, Gavin DeGraw. <laughs> <laughs> is he British? You would think he is, but he's not. I dreamed of deep purple on Christmas. I I dreamed of a boy named Sebastian. That's that's a British name, right? Um, If you want to get into... Wait, you know what? That's a good call. What, the natural? Yeah. I mean, look no further. Uh, By the way, I can't watch Field of Dreams again. Can't. It's ruined for me. The guy on Grantland was spot on. I hate Costner in it now. I know. I can't stand Costner in it. I can't stand Ray Liotta in it. How about Rudy? Ooh. I like Rudy. Rudy. You got Beatty? Yeah, Rudy was good. Rudy's very, very good. Sean Astin, very good. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I It's such a cheeseball movie. But it's like it's such a peer like a mid eighties period piece. Youngblood. Youngblood. <laughs> I mean you you really believe Rob Lowe was a nineteen eighties hockey player. And Swayze. And Swayze. Yeah. Keanu Reeves was in that movie. Keanu Reeves is the goalie. That's yep. right. It's just like, you know. That's fantastic. Racky. I wanted to get a racky. They make uh they make T shirts. With uh, like uh, number ten for uh, what was what was Swayze's name was oh uh, 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 Sutton <clears throat> he was Sutton that's right Derek uh, Sutton Derek Sutton uh, great hockey name Derek Sutton Derek Sutton Dean Youngblood Young Derek Sutton yeah and uh, Racky Carl Racky was the was the bad guy right yeah I can't think of who it was that played him oh I have no idea yeah I think they actually got like a minor league goon from they must have from Saskatchewan. From like Moose Jaw to uh, to be the, but you can get his jersey too. You can get the Racky jersey. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that movie's terrible. It's fantastic. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of perfect. Oh, uh, Jay wanted us to also throw this out. We were talking about then uh, the. It's not second stringer necessarily, but it's um, like I'll give you the example. It's Tom Hanks and Steve Gutenberg. 
So it's not necessarily second stringer, but it's should have had their career or could have had their career. Mm. Um, a poor man. It's 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 akin to a poor man's. But uh, and and his 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 big example was uh, Hanks and Steve Gutenberg. Because if you look at those early Hanks movies, could have yeah, could have been either. Gutenberg is around at the time. Well, Gutenberg couldn't do Turner and Hooch. He couldn't do Big. You know, those are all movies that Gutenberg could have done. That's good. Yeah. His so other like, one. His other one I didn't agree with. Which is what? It was Swayze and oh, Sugar. I can't think of it. It was it was somebody and Swayze. And I said, but the guy you're comparing him to had like a nice career. Yeah, see, I would like. I immediately thought of uh, Andrew McCarthy could have had Michael J. Fox's career. That's a great one. But Andrew McCarthy had a good career. In he had a nice career. That's right. Yeah, and so that's what I thought of. You know, and he had, but he had, he didn't have the longevity that Michael J. Fox had. Right. That's a great call. And of course, Eric Stoltz was supposed to be in Back to the Future. Yes. Um, but go, going back to the casting one, just overall movies. Yeah. I started thinking about my top. My top five best cast movies of all time. Top five? Yep. And I'll give you my number one right off the bat. Good, it's Goodfellas. It's got to be Goodfellas. Yeah. I mean, Goodfellas is a perfectly cast movie. From soup to nuts, up and down, even like the low-level gangsters, where they get right. like they they get like Darren Starr to play Frenchie. The Commandant, the Midnight to Eight Man. Well, they, and they got what's-his-face to play uh, Spider um, from The Sopranos. Michael Imperioli is He was Spider. a kid at the time. Yeah, he's like a kid, you know. They get the guy who would eventually be on the, you know, he's in, guys that were on The Sopranos and stuff like that would be in the gang, you know, that, that hang around. The, Samuel L. Jackson is stacks in that movie. He's got a little bit part. I mean, it's just perfectly cast. Yeah, that was great. What do you got, Peach? True Romance. Out of left field, look what he True does. Romance. Well what are you done. Me for? <laughs> that's that's fantastic. We do pay him well. We do, and this is why, because big time players play big in big time games. You got Hopper and Walken in the same film. You One got of the Gary great... Oldman playing a Rastafarian. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That not you, you get a quick me. glimpse at Samuel L. Jackson and Brad Pitt. I mean, if you blink, you miss him. There's Gandolfini in there. Everybody Before you even get to Slater. Yep. You didn't even mention Christian Slater in that movie. And the two leads the two leads are fantastic. Slater and, and, uh, and Arquette are, are fantastic. That's a great call, Peach. Got Michael Rappaport's in that movie. Balky. Bronson Pinchot. Pinchot is great in that movie. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. He's got the blow all over his face. Salt. <laughs> Saul Rubinek is in that. Saul Rubinek, that's right. He plays uh, the producer, right? Yeah. Right. And he's, and he's just terrific. He's like menacing, but but I don't know. What's the name of the movie? Home in a Body Bag? <laughs> yeah, it's there. Right. Something about Body Bag, right? Home in a Body Bag. Body Bag 2. <laughs> Lee, I'm not fun. happy till the spoon's standing straight up. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe this guy. He's putting all the sugar in the coffee. With this guy, Lee, I'm not happy till the spoon's standing straight up. That is that is my submission. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. That's Strong female. Job, 
Oh, and and, and the so, other okay. the other thing I wanted to throw in here uh, besides sports movie was holiday movie, best cast holiday movie. I would throw uh, Christmas Brady Bunch Story. Christmas. Brady Bunch Christmas. I would throw uh, Christmas Story uh, as a log on the fire. Melinda Dillon is the mom. Darren McGavin is the dad. Uh, Peter Billingsley. Uh, you, there's not much you can't beat. Christmas Story is pretty perfectly cast. Solid. It is. It, solid. it is. Uh, I would also throw Jingle All the Way in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was such oh, a man. beautiful setup. <laughs> true, true romance. I mean, that's true romance. Great call. Yeah. We never thought of it, but. I mean, really you, just... you have, like, complete stunt casting, too, with Oldman. Like, that, that, that Oldman scene does not get talked about enough. It doesn't. It's, it's he's on fire. Yeah. It's magnificent. And Pitt at his best. In fact, if I quote anything from that movie, it's Pitt. Just being hey, understated and stoned. Don't condescend me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up some, some cleaning supplies. He's great. You know the only guy in that movie I can't stand. You mentioned him before, Cal. Ooh, um, Rap- uh, Rap- Pat Rappaport, yeah. Michael Rappaport just stinks. Oh, come on, leave him alone. Ah, oh, he stinks. He's making me he's stink. He's got his lane. He's got his lane. He's, yeah, he's got his lane when he's doing a, uh, a speaking of dialects that have no place, uh, go watch Beautiful Girls. It's like the bike lane, though. He's got no, there's no, uh, <laughs> very narrow. <laughs> go watch Beautiful Girls and tell me why he's doing a Queen's accent for a guy from Minnesota. Oh. Yeah, I'm going ice fishing. We go all the time. Well, can we yeah, back up have, for a second? Do you really? You do go ice fishing all the time? Where? From Regal Park? You, you, do you go ice you've seen Beautiful time? Girls. Can we, can we <laughs> talk about that for a second? Wait, what's that? You have seen Beautiful Girls? Can we talk about that for a second? I, it's a great movie. I love that movie. movie. He almost single-handedly ruins that movie. You never saw it, PJ? Oh, oh it's terrific. It's in a very good movie. Isn't that Natalie Portman's in that yeah, one, right? Matt, 12 Matt, year old? Matt Dillon? Is it, see, Matt Dillon has the presence of mind to realize that he's playing a guy from Minnesota. <laughs> and even though Matt Dillon's from Maranac, which is technically upstate New York, it's Westchester, um, he's smart enough not to do a stupid New York dialect. Peach, the movie takes place in Minnesota, Peach. Round out your top five. Fine. Don't yell at me. No, no. Uh, <laughs> now. You could you could say The Godfather, but that's too easy. Now you've challenged me, Peach. Now I'm thinking outside the box, because True Romance really took it up a notch. You took this fun hood to the next level. All right. You blew our mind. You did blow my... This is some next level stuff you have going on here. Cal, do you have one? I, I have The Departed, but... Now that I think oh. about it, I mean, it, it was perfectly cast for what we saw, but it, was, it wasn't it was that deep. It wasn't as deep as I remember it. Okay. You know, like, yeah. you, know, you had DiCaprio and you had... Uh, Nicholson. And, yeah. Nicholson. And they were all in... Uh, Martin Sheen was in right. it, and, and Baldwin was terrific. Right, Baldwin's great. Even Wahlberg, and, you know, Wahlberg's yeah. great. Damon's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. No, that runs pretty deep. 
it, it wasn't as deep though as um as true romance. True romance is, is you have set the bar very high here. He shamed us. Shamed us. That's fantastic. <laughs> Who would you get to play Joe Namath, Peach? Who would I get to play Joe Namath? <laughs> I have, I have, I have no one. No one. Actually, I thought I really thought uh, uh, Gyllenhaal was a or Gyllenhaal, whatever. Jake, I thought he was a good call. I would like to see that. That's a very good call. Yeah, I would like to def. I would definitely like to see that. That's tough now. Who? Who? I mean, I'll give you a. I'll give you a comedy that's perfectly cast. Uh, in my opinion, Ghostbusters is perfectly cast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from the three right. main guys to Sigourney Weaver to mm-hmm. Rick Moranis, yeah, to Rick Moranis, Annie Potts. Uh, right. Is it? I mean, it's pr- really. You, you I find that movie to be flawless. It's really pretty close. Yeah. Ha- have we talked about what the difference would have been if Belushi is in it, Peach? The difference is I don't see it more than once. Right, because Belushi was supposed to be in it, right? Instead right. of who? Instead of Murray, Murray, I think yeah. he's supposed to be Venkman. No. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Ackroyd wrote it with Belushi in mind. Right. Yeah, it's not the same movie. No. I'll give you another one that I think is perfectly cast. We're all ten of bones. Oh my god. That's inspired casting. That's very good casting. Murray again. Down to yeah. the kid. Murray again. The kid is perfect. <laughs> and and lead characters as kids. Yeah. Oh, terrific. All perfect. I'm colorblind? That's my favorite one. <laughs> he seems to have a tremendous sense of hearing. I'm colorblind? <laughs> Can he tell time? No. Dear Lord, no, no. The other, the other, we, the other quote from that movie that we use all the time. I just used it uh, the other day playing golf. When he's when he's playing the tennis match, and he has like the emotional breakdown. Uh, oh, Luke Wilson or whatever, and the announcer's like he's just like sitting down on the court and he starts taking his shoes and socks off, and the announcer goes, "He's taking his shoes off. This is this is tough to watch." <laughs> And, you, and then, and then they, they cut to a clip of, or they cut to a shot of uh, Paltrow and Bill Murray in the stands. There's his half-sister, Margot, and her new husband, Raleigh Sinclair. <laughs> so in golf, like when I get stuck in like a sand trap or something like that, or I'm having like a, a hole that's taking me 10, 12 strokes to get out of, I just <laughs> like will simply be like, he's taking his shoes off. This is... This is tough to watch. To watch. Yeah. <laughs> I texted my brother when I was playing golf the other day. I texted Scott. I just had the uh, taking the shoes off sand trap experience <laughs> where I hit the ball four times trying to get it out of a sand trap. <laughs> and just sat down and took my shoes and socks off. That movie is really, really... Even Baldwin doing the narration. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Danny Glover. Of course, you know the greatest... I think the greatest ensemble acting of all time is Glengarry Glen Ross. Yes, but you could you and the casting is perfect in that movie. Casting is absolutely perfect. You could I I don't know if, if there's anybody you can make an argument for. 
that shouldn't be in it? That yeah, or that you could have replaced. No. I mean, Ed Harris, Alan Arkin. The only switch maybe I would ever make there, Pete, you're going to yell at me. The only switch I would maybe ever make there is I could see taking out Arkin for Jeffrey Tambor. Because I saw, I saw Tambor do it on Broadway. Oh, yeah? I did. Hmm. I did. And Did anybody uh, shout out Hey Now? <laughs> hey Now. That's a perfectly cast show. You know what's amazing? All of these movies that you're you're talking about, the common theme is either Bill Murray or yeah. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, because he's in Glengarry. Because they just they seem to nail their roles, and they've been well cast. One for Red late. October, not a perfectly cast movie. <laughs> not that one so much. That's weak. Careful, Jack. Certain things let's on play the accent roulette with this movie. Let's, let's see if Sean Connery can do half Russian, half Scottish. <laughs> and poor Sam Neill, who's Australian, trying to do, you know, yeah, that was I all over. And I like that movie, no less. Oh, great. It's great, it's great suspense. Yeah, do you have an action movie for me that's perfectly cast? Die Hard. Yeah, I was just going to say Die Hard. By the way, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, right? We're all in agreement there. Yes. I, I, it sneaks up. It snuck. It sneaked up on me as a Christmas movie. Cal, that's a Christmas movie. It's Nakatomi Plaza at Christmas, my friend. I, yeah, I know. I know. It's a Christmas yeah, I, party. It's a Christmas party that he's at. I think it's a. I think the it's traditional a, Christmas movie people would would not include it. Andy Williams, not not Paul Williams. Paul, uh, Paul Williams Christmas? Andy Williams would have a problem with that. That's what you're saying. Mm, yes. Michael Bublé. Yeah, I, I would don't know. the Kill Bill movies in there, too, for action. For really Ooh, but I don't know if I saw them enough. I don't even think I saw the second one. A lethal Weapon was good. Lethal Weapon. Not Hold the one on. with Chris Rock. Hold on. The weapon in the harsh light of day. Not as pretty. Starts to crack and peel. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I thought it was cast well. It's not a good looking broad in daylight. (laughs) (laughs) It's got two very good leads. That's it? Um, but, But the cast around them? Not so much. That's great. Busey's very, very good as a heavy. Yep. I thought Renee Russo was good. No, she's in two, though, right? She's in two. There's, there's, who's the girl in one? No, she's in three. No, she's in two. Patsy Kenzie. No, you know, in in two, he has the blonde girlfriend who they drown. Patsy Kenzie. Patsy Kenzie. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of Brits, (laughs) who I adore. She was married to one of the Gallagher boys, right? From Oasis? No, uh, Gallagher, actually. <laughs> She's not. She's married to Gallagher. Wow. Score for him. <laughs> score, for, score for her. That means I had a chance. I mean, if she married Gallagher. If only you had smashed fruit. If only, if only I had been a ridiculous racist homophobe smashing fruit. <laughs> Can I tell you something? <laughs> Come on, I'm going to say... Don't I'm hold out on this. Where's your Gallagher? Come on. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing only, to the casting. The, you're the only man in America who does a Gallagher impression. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Patsy, can it? <laughs> yep, I nailed her. <laughs> Have a fruit salad again. <laughs> I'm going to say Schindler's List. Great. Way to bring the show down. Good job. Stop it. Way to bring the show down. That's a cast 50 people deep. Good night, everybody. Which one? And Schindler's there's List. nobody in that movie that ever takes you out of it for even a second. Yeah, that's, it's pretty You long. are there in the, in the 40s with these people. And they're all dead on, even though the movie was made only 20 years ago. That's a good call. Why about I, Shawshank? I have no problem with that. Oh, wow. Now, Cal is going to bring up Shawshank. <laughs> I, that's the only reason I brought it up. <laughs> so, I, so I could do Morgan Freeman as Cleveland, as Andy. <laughs> Andy Dufresne was my friend. This movie is perfectly cast. That's it. Uh, now, nope. Nothing Tim Robbins is in is perfectly cast. He was good as Andy Dufresne, though. He's I fine. Mean, he's fine. He's passable. Right? He's passable. No, I, I, I think he borders on very good in that movie. Fine. fine. What do you it's have well, against Tim Robbins? It's a well-cast movie. I think he stinks. I think he often stinks. Didn't like Bob Roberts? I loved Bob Roberts. That's probably my favorite performance of his. Hmm. I was just going to throw another perfectly cast movie, and you made me forget it. Castaway? (laughs) Walk hard. There's two people in the movie. That's what I'm saying. It's perfectly cast. Thanks. Now, look, your margin of error was very low because there was only one person in it. What if you get the wrong volleyball? Right. It was a, what, was, what if it was a void? It was a Spalding. <laughs> Spalding. Spalding! Uh, I was going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark is perfectly cast, in my opinion. I can't see anybody else doing any of those roles. Den Holm Elliott. Uh, I didn't like Karen John Allen. David, oh, how dare you? I did not like her. Oh, we're going to fight. I think you could have put a lot of different people in for her. No, she's perfect. Marion is she's perfect as Marion. Oh, where that's this may be the end of the show. No, 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 no. Mary Stewart Mas not Mary Stewart Masterson, the other one. No. The other Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. No chance. Too ethnic. Total, too old? Too ethnic. Or too ethnic. Margot Kidder. I uh, uh, you nuts <laughs> We know she is. That's not funny. Deborah Winger could have done it. No way! Sean Young could have done it. No, maybe. Sean Young could have done it. That's no, great. Sean Young is and, too sex kidney. And and put in Blade Runner for me, too. Would you buy for a second... No problem. <laughs> Rutger Hauer. Would you buy for a second, though, that Sean Young was the daughter of a, like an archaeologist and a... Come on. No, no, I agree. I think I think Raiders is, is, a, is a hit for you. That's good. Karen Allen is is Marion. She's perfect. And she was she was small enough of an actress too at that time. 
I mean, you know, she had done a couple of movies. She'd done Animal House and stuff like that. She's perfect. Who else stands up to him in that scene, the first scene in the bar? I mean, when when he first goes to Nepal and meets up with her, that scene is legendary. No, it's um, no, I'm sorry, I refuse. Hey, here's an interesting question, by the way. Tom, I refuse. Tom Selleck was supposed to play Indiana Jones, right? He had the he had the part, and CBS wouldn't let him out of his Magnum contract. Wow. Magnum PI to go shoot the movie. So obviously, it's a very different movie if Tom Selleck is. Uh, Indiana Jones. And he also has a very different career. Right. Does he have to shave it the mustache? It ends in 1981. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he would have to get rid of the mustache. He would have, right? Right, because he would have been, if he had the mustache, he was Magnum P.I. as Indiana Jones. No, he yeah. had. It's not time appropriate. The, ty- the type of mustache he had is not period appropriate. He would have had right. to grow a handlebar mustache. He would have had to grow, no. He would have had to shave it down into one of those, you know, um, Rudolph yeah. Valentino mustaches. Yeah, he would have had to and, get all thirties with it. And Indiana Jones can't have a mustache. Well, he could have. He almost did. Can't. You can't trust him. You can't trust a man with a mustache like that. I'll go and ahead and say. So it's too big, too. He is too big. I agree. He's too physically big. Yes. Uh, I'm putting Raiders there. Uh, that's it. That's it. What else you got? Let's end with that. Unless PJ's got one to just take us home. Yeah, we are pushing two and a half. Well, so. I was going to mention. I was going to mention that there's a, there's one category of somebody who just can't cast a movie. And no, that's that's a, that's, a, that's another that's, great question. <laughs> that's Ron Howard. I'm sorry. Ron Howard. Yeah. Ron Howard. He's got. <laughs> He's got usually one or two really good people in there, and then he just shovels on the poop. <laughs> right, and then he keeps <laughs> and his brother, brother. right? <laughs> and he keeps giving stuff to Clint. It's, oh, it's just—it's bad news. Would you say that that's a great call? Would you say that um, Arrested Development was the best cast sitcom of the last? Of the last ten years, that was on Fox on Sundays. <laughs> that canceled. Would no, you say I, I that one of uh, uh, easily a top five uh, all time best cast sitcom? It's got to be. Yeah, uh, Seinfeld though was brilliant. Outside of Jerry, obviously. Well, I think everybody that they cast on Seinfeld, even the recurring characters. Yes. Well, no, a lot of what made Seinfeld what it was was that the ancillary recurring characters were brilliant. Right. Were all great. So, yeah, no, Seinfeld... But Arrested Development didn't have to work live, though. That's true. doesn't matter. They play their characters a little quieter than, you know, like they do on Cheers, which is a brilliantly cast show, but would have been so Oh, I did. You know what? I disagree. Oh, about Cheers. Do you think Cheers got a lot them. wrong? Who would you? Who? I. I. It's. It's the great question, right? It was supposed to be Ed O'Neill, right? Instead of dancing. I never, as much as I loved Cheers, I never, not for one minute, bought Ted Danson as an ex Major League Baseball player ever. Not for one. Not for, what was the show on for ten years? Not one minute. 
did I buy that he was a major league baseball player? (laughs) Cal, come on. You're with me here. I'm not. I thought he was okay. How could you envision this guy throwing a baseball? I thought, he, I thought I thought he was okay. I was on board with well, him. What was wrong with him? He just Is looks unathletic. He looks unathletic to me. Hmm. Ed O'Neill is an athlete. I would have bought Ed O'Neill as an ex-baseball player way more than, than Ted Danson. I can way do more. that. I can do that. I envisioned every time I envisioned Ted Danson throwing, it looked like Tim Robbins in Bulldog. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I never bought it. I also thought that Kirstie Alley was, nah, no. Well, this, I mean, it was a, clearly a different show when she came on. Yes, and they, not as good. They course, of course, had Frasier and you know Lilith, and Lilith is a great character, and Dan Hedges, Nick, <laughs> Kala, <laughs> Loretta. <laughs> He was Modern great. Family. Modern Family's got a great team. Modern Family is really well cast. Currently, yes. At, at 30 Rocks. Really well cast. Uh, Alright, that's it. Let's wrap it up. PJ, final on this. This is the time to reflect. You're home with your family, hopefully. Sit back, relax, let it all sink in. Don't overreact about anything. Move on into the new year. My blessings unto all of you. Wow. I feel like we need to be animated. An exclamation for that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stop motion. Stop motion. Cal final I'm gonna I just I'll follow PJ's lead and echo his sentiments. Um this was a rough year for a lot of people. And uh, it's coming to an end, and, and, and the best that we can do is look forward to the next year and, and good, you know, good wishes and health for everybody. Um, hope everybody has a very happy and healthy holiday season this year. And my final unload is uh, I'm going to go to sports. I'm going to go back to sports. You guys covered it. Um, hey, Mark Sanchez, if that's the last snap you ever take as a Jet, um, and there's a lot of people lining up that are hoping that it would be. I just want to say this. On behalf of the front office um, and the fan base that booed you coming out of the tunnel before you took a snap. Uh, sorry, man. Didn't have to be this way. Should have should have went better. Should have went better. We did you wrong, man. We did you wrong. And uh, when you move on, good luck, kid. Good kid deserve better alright we will see you next time on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete say goodnight to the people Cal goodnight to the people Cal see ya